forever. Dog. Oh, how's everybody doing tonight here in Best Show Land? Hey ho, Best Show! I gotta figure this intro out. I keep. Hey ho, Best Show, baby! That sucks. I'm going home. No, it's the Best Show. Hey, how's everybody doing tonight here on a Tuesday in May? 2023 getting hot out there right getting hot out there everybody hot enough for you i love when people say is it hot enough for you uh well if it's not hot enough for you then tonight the best show is about to show you how hot it could get tonight on the show We've got an all-star extravaganza. The hit show, Jury Duty. We got people, cast, producers. We got a, it's a Jury Duty palooza tonight on the best show. Coming up later in the show. Uh, a little bit of a surprise for you later also. Um, we'll see about that. And I just want to get to it. Let's just get to the show. Play the credits. Hey, everybody, welcome to the best show here on a Tuesday night in May 2023. My name is Tom. I'm the host of the best show, Tom Sharpling. How are you? Oh, so much to get to. So much tonight. Busy, busy show tonight. Uh, if uh, if uh, uh, Borat did this show, he would literally say, uh, wah, wah, wee, wah, to this one. There's so much going on. I don't know what else he would say. He would have to say, wah, wah, wee, wah. Um, but Borat ain't here tonight, but we will have, uh, the cast and producers of the show Jury Duty, including, uh, Ronald will be here and everybody's gonna it's it's so much fun it's gonna be a fun night so get ready for a fun night talking all about jury duty later in the show the phone number is 201-989-0012 if you want to get in on the uh phone action might be a little light on calls tonight 
It's going to be a busy show, but if you're willing to sit on hold for a while, give a call. Let me try to get John. We try to get everybody on the thing I wanted to tell you. We just heard. We just heard the band Policia. Is that how you say it? Policia. Policia. From Minneapolis. Song's called Lay Your Cards Out. Very beautiful stuff, sweet stuff. I played it for two reasons. One, because it's great. Two, because uh, our uh, best show fan, uh, Chris, is in the band, and he's uh, going through some health stuff, uh, and he's hanging in there. And Chris, just wanted to tell you, we love you, buddy. You keep going. You hang in there. Uh, you send me, you email me directly, Chris. And I will give you 50 cents. I'll give you 50 cents. I will Venmo you 50 cents. Um, but seriously, Chris, you keep getting better and getting strong. Uh, you got a lot of people out there that love you. And uh, add me to the list now. I love you too, Chris. Um, what? Do I gotta get to now? Um, yeah, we got so much light. We got a little surprise for everybody tonight too. Get ready for that. A little surprise coming up. Um, let me just ask a little question here. Okay. Asking a little question. It's a little surprise. It's a little bit of a surprise. It might be a big surprise to people. This is what you get on Best Show. I look, I listen to these other podcasts. They got nothing up their sleeves. You think I'm not uh, the master of surprise? I just did this freaking MGMT thing nobody knew I was working on for four months. Uh, helped uh, helped uh, write and kind of conceive the live show they just did last weekend. Amazing. One of the highlights of my life. No joke. Greatest guys. Greatest band. Greatest experience. Great, great, great. Couldn't have loved it more. Those guys are in the Tom Hall of Fame. Uh, MGMT. Helped come up with some fun things for the show. It was great. Um, so I want to tell you also about the Best Show Patreon. We can talk about that for a minute while we get some pieces in place here. Uh, for the next segment, the Best Show very simply, and we'll talk about this more officially. Uh, I want to tell y'all the show. We get the Patreon uh, support, and it means the world to us. Why? Well, because here's a little uh, rule of thumb. Uh, look at the way things are right now. 
podcast advertising. That ain't there no more, man. It's DOA. Gone. Don't exist. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it ain't, it, 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 they're all, they're all done, done dried up and you go look at an article about it, uh, podcasting, everybody, oh, podcasting's dead. This podcast network goes under, this one's firing half their staff here forever, dog. We're pushing to go forward, pushing to grow things in the face of a terrible, terrible uh, marketplace in terms of advertising. So the Patreon is truly the way that we, the show uh, stays afloat. And the Patreon, of course, is patreon.com slash the best show. And that's how you support the show. You uh, you go there, you can give a little bit of support and we give you, you give us a little bit of support. I feel a catchphrase coming on. You give us a little bit of support, we give you a lot of bonus content. Boy, that was uh, maybe not the greatest catchphrase there. Um, but every Sunday, a new piece of uh, uh, bonus content goes up. There's Ask Tom. One of those went up a couple weeks ago. Me doing the Q and A with everybody. Then there was S and W Q and A, which is me and John Worcester answering questions from you, 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 the Patreon supporting audience. We answer your questions. And this coming Sunday, Ahoy! Episode three comes out. Ahoy! is the best show. Fillet the fish fillet review podcast me my co-host harrison walliner harry walliner we uh we do our thing uh and going from place to place this episode episode three we've done mcdonald's we did arby's now we're gonna do burger king get ready for that that's this sunday and also make mike marvel which is the legendary uh podcast which is ap mike going through each and every marvel movie and reviewing them and going through them and it's really something fun to hear five dollars gets you the audio ten dollars gets you the video patreon.com slash the best show that's how you support the show we'll talk more about that later in the program I'm being told that we do have a surprise on the uh, on the computer box. I will say this. I'm truly nervous right now. I am truly nervous about this. My breathing is heavy. This might be it for me. This is a, this is a scary one for me. I'm nervous. Where, uh, let me see, do we go to the, uh, let's go to the screen and welcome to the show. How do I, do I unmute here? Do you guys got that? We got it. You got it? Yes. I would like to welcome to the show a true, look, the word hero gets thrown around a lot these days, willy nilly, but this is a true hero of mine. Can we please welcome to the show 
Joe Flaherty is here with me. Oh my God. The greatest. Joe, can you hear me? Oh, wait. I'm... Okay. Tom, that's my bad. One second, okay. please. One second. Hang tight. Sorry about that. I think you should be hearing it now. Okay. We have Joe Flaherty on the show. We're so exciting. Joe, can you hear me? No, how's that? There it is. I hear okay. you. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Joe Flaherty, as a kid, I never thought this day would ever happen. <laughs> you have meant so much to me for so long in my life. As formative as anything that's ever been a part of anything is you and the comedy you've made. So just off the top, I want to say thank you for, for being as great as you have been. Thank you. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you so much. It's, it's only, it's nice to know. Yeah. It's really nice to know. Well, it's only downhill from here now. I got the compliments <laughs> out of the way. No, sure, I'm kidding. We got that. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, Joe Flaherty, SCTV, Freaks of Geeks. You've just, you've, you've done it for so long. And one of the things that you're doing this Friday, there's a screening of the movie, The Wrong Guy, that you did with Dave Foley. Yes. It's going to be at the, uh, the Dynasty Typewriter, at Dynasty Typewriter in LA. And I just want to give people info on it. Okay. Friday, May 19th, the Dynasty Typewriter, Hollywood Entertainment is doing the Wrong Guy reunion and screening, which is going to feature Dave Foley will be there, David Higgins, Jay Kogan, and Joe Flaherty. There are tickets on standby that will be available at the door, so people should figure that out for Friday. Get your tickets. This is one you don't want to miss. So how are you doing these days, Joe? How's everything going for you? Um. Oh, I'm okay. Um, you know, <laughs> I'm no longer young. Okay. Uh, I'll be 82 in uh, June. Oh, my God. I know. That's too much. <laughs> That's too much. <laughs> it's too much. Yes. <laughs> well. I never expected that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, you know, I'm an 82-year-old guy. My, my life has shrunk. Okay. Uh, quite a bit. You know, what I do, the things I do, uh, 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 well, I, you know, just things that I need to do to live, get by living. Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, I haven't, uh, it's funny, all of a sudden, though, I've been ha getting these requests for interviews. And um, that's kind of interesting. Uh, I had another request today for an interview. Uh, I forget what it is. I got to check. You got to turn uh, that one down. That one, we're canceling that one. This is yes. the, this is the interview. Sorry. I think that I think that's radio though. I think it's just audio. Okay. So, yeah. Well, then sure, we can allow it. Then we'll let sure. them do their thing. Now, well, the, yeah, my life has been pretty uninteresting. I got to say. Okay. Oh, well, maybe we can make it interesting tonight. Maybe we could change that a little bit. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so, you made the movie Wrong Guy, and yeah. uh there's a screening of it. It was a movie that was maybe underappreciated when it came out. And yes. this great group, Hollywood entertainment is uh, putting these screenings together. I actually uh, moderated a panel at a screening. They put together of a movie, your brother directed Clifford, which oh, yeah. was, yes. yes. So, so I met your brother, Paul uh, oh, did you? a few months ago. Yeah. Okay, great. 
Yeah, that's a good movie, funny movie. It hasn't been appreciated enough by the general public, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has it has a cult following, of course. Yeah. And and the, uh, the wrong guy never was released in the states. That's it was why. only released in Canada. Yeah, so that's why they're having this whole thing to try to get released in the states. That's amazing, and it was it was it was a hit in Canada. Is that, that yeah? Yeah. It's a really funny movie. If if you haven't seen it, you gotta uh, you gotta check it out. It's it's a seriously funny movie. Um, so you grew up in Pittsburgh, yeah. And who who were your earliest comedy heroes at that? Being a kid growing up in Pittsburgh, who who started to make you think about the idea of being funny? You know, that's interesting. I used to be asked that question a lot when I was doing SCTV. I couldn't really think of any. But now uh, I've had time to consider all of that stuff. And there were. I think it started with Mad Magazine. Okay. Way back when they started, when they were in just a, a paperback form. Mm-hmm. I used to, It was all satire. And um, I loved that. I just loved that. And then we had a disc jockey in Pittsburgh named Reg Cordick. Okay. Who had a great show. Uh, it was really fun, a lot of fun. He started that whole thing of doing clips, uh, you know, uh, during, during the show. He'd do a, but they were all audio clips uh, from different movies and things like that. You know, he'd, mm-hmm. I don't know where he'd, he'd say, well, that's pretty good. And then you'd hear Basil Rathbone, Rathbone <laughs> saying, let's drink some champagne. Kind of like that, that Dickie Goodman thing. You remember Dickie Goodman? Who, no, I don't. He, is, he would do that? the, they would do like a record where it'd be like, I'm, oh. I'm here talking the jaws. And it's like, what do you think uh, the swimmers are going on today? And then he would play like dying. Oh my. Like the, like, as if it was just all right. clips, right. Kind of getting like yes. a back and forth going. Right. And, uh, and that's what he did. He did a lot of these things. He was hugely popular in Pittsburgh, hugely popular. Everybody loved that show. Uh, and so that was another influence. Rage, Mad Magazine. And then, of course, I used to watch TV a lot. I used to watch Steve Allen. I used to love Steve Allen's show. Sure. Uh, and uh, and so Steve uh, was somewhat of an influence on me, too. Mm-hmm. Um, see, now, other than that, there, well, there, there were a lot, though, that uh, things that I took in, mostly satiric things, those okay. satire. Sure. Uh, at uh, the old, the old uh, Sid Caesar show, your show of shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to love that because they did satire. They did, uh, yeah, parodies. They, they do a lot parodies. of parodies of, of movies yeah. and of uh, right. foreign films and this, which is obviously you can see the through line to what you eventually did on SCTV. Right, right. And, uh, oh, yeah, good. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. My son just brought these in. I don't know if you can see them or not. It'll show. What is it? Oh my God. Can... There's there's you and Bruno and Dr. Tongue. This right, is the greatest. Right. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. This I Yeah. You so uh there you go. Yeah. That's 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 beautiful. It's uh oh oh and look there's here, and here's one more. This is something I got from a fan. Okay. Let me see if I can see if we can center this. If we can do this properly. Yeah. Another way. 
That's the uh, blood-sucking monkey from West Mifflin, Pennsylvania. <laughs> That's right, yes. Okay. Oh, the cape, yeah. <laughs> Somebody just sent that to me in a mail a while back. But uh, it's very, they love the blood-sucking monkeys from West Mifflin in Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah. big hit, Pittsburgh. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Yes. So that was, uh, oh my God, there's so many things that, one of the, when I, when I was preparing to, to, uh, to talk to you, one of the things that really came back to me was SE, I would stay up on Friday nights trying to, like, it was, it was like a test to see if I could stay up to, to watch <laughs> SCTV. And really? som sometimes I'd wake up at Saturday morning. I'd realize I fell asleep. I'd be mad all week. I'd be mad because I missed it. And I got, <laughs> to, I got to do better. I got to learn how to stay up later. But when I would wow. stay up, it felt like a show that was made just for me and my friends. It was like, I never <laughs> felt more kind of like this was, this exists to make me happy. So yes, yes. Yeah, you're right, right. And I remember when we were being honored in uh, Aspen, Colorado, uh, and uh, the host, I can't remember the guy's the, the host. Uh, he he was a huge fan. Okay. And, um, and he said he, the same thing. He said he thought the show was just made especially for him and his friends and then watch it mm -hmm. every week without fail. Who was, who was the guy? No, I just forgot. Who the guy was? Uh, he had a talk show. He had a talk show on okay. pretty big. Okay. Uh, uh, it'll come to me. <laughs> Somebody will get, yeah. Some of one of the, the people listening also throw facts at me. Was it Conan? Yes. It was, it was Conan. Conan. Okay. Conan there Very good. Yeah. Very good. Sure. And uh, that's what he said. He said it was a special little thing that he and his friends, and they thought they were the only ones in the world that loved the show. Oh. And so that's the way it kind of went. It was. Uh, just we had this special following of people that loved, uh, you know, just uh, loved the show, mm -hmm. and and um, and that was good. That was great. We and we liked the people that liked our show. You sure, know? we had a lot of different. You know, we had university professors and writers, and well, as it turned out, film producers and film directors mm -hmm. that would watch our show. But uh, but it, it's. Um, yeah, that's a pretty much, uh, pretty much the way, um, it went. Uh, it, it was a private little show. We never had ratings. Let me just put it this way. Mm -hmm. We never had very good ratings. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah. just, when we were on NBC, it was sad. You look at the numbers. <laughs> it was really sad. Brandon Tartikoff, who was in charge of NBC at the time, picked our show up. He wanted us to change the show and sort of make it more like a regular Saturday live show. And uh, we refused. We said, We've, this is our show. This is what we want to do. But boy, the numbers were terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Bad. But it's also nobody's talking about a, a Saturday Night Live sketches from 1982 or whatever. Th those things that are in the moment are one thing. And th that's important for things to be yes. feel alive and engage. And you see things from the news that week. But yeah. there's something there was always something special that SCTV was. It felt built to last like the comedy ran deep, uh, deep for me. Yeah. And there were so yeah. many layers to things and 
things yes. you didn't catch the first time. You'd have to watch it again and see if then you'd be like, oh, that's that. And this is like so many. You had so it was, there was such yeah. a depth to it that that's what makes it still stand the test of time. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, fortunately, yeah. And we never wanted to be temp contemporary on the show. We didn't want to do jokes about who was president at the time or mm -hmm. that stuff. Uh, we just did stuff that we thought was funny. Yeah. Uh, and it was great because we had a great group of people. I can't believe how pretty much accidentally we just got that group together. It's it, boy, it, were they good. It's the most it's the most impressive lineup you could ever dream of in terms of comedy to have you, Eugene Levy, John Candy, Catherine O'Hara, Andrea Martin, Dave Thomas, Rick Moranis, Martin Short. It just yes. that's off the top, like right off the top. And then yeah. it's like you couldn't dream of a lineup like and Harold Ramis is also Harold, in the mix. Yes, and, Harold, yeah unbelievable lineup it is like pure magic that that happens like the universe wanted that to happen yeah i guess so i guess so because i can't think of how it would have happened any other way yeah it just was a yeah a collision of the stars or whatever but or, or the the planets mm -hmm. and uh it worked boy did it work and you know what was interesting i worked with those guys on saturday night live while we were still doing SCTV, i think or right afterwards actually mm -hmm. and they all said they loved SCTV. They thought it was better than Saturday Night Live. And they wanted, wish they were on SCTV. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All of those guys. Yeah. It's always the thing that they're like, oh, I wish I was on the thing, but I'll stay here making 10 times as much money as you're making over <laughs> yeah. on SCTV. But and, you're and doing God's work over there. Right. That's right. And getting worldwide recognition. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> nobody's watching us, but. But uh, I don't care. None of us cared. We just did the show the way we wanted to do. We had pressure to change it a lot, mm -hmm. but we wouldn't do it. Yeah. We just said, we're going to do this stuff that we like and uh, the hell with everything else. And how, um, with all of those talented people, how did you find your, your lane, the path that for what you would do that would differentiate you from what everybody else did? What was that like for you to carve out your own path? Yeah. Um, so when we started it, we got very, the very beginning. Uh, John, we can in our first uh, show, we cast John as Johnny LaRue. Sure. That's a character that he did throughout the whole show. Mm -hmm. uh, I did a version of Guy Caballero in that first show. Mm -hmm. It's a version, but it wasn't really anything like he, he became. Mm -hmm. um, and then Harold was our station manager. So, Harold Ramis was our station manager. John was Johnny LaRue. And uh, and from that, we kind of built, you know, the characters that, say, like Dave would do or Eugene, any, any of the cast members, uh, they didn't like doing this. But I said, we should repeat some of these characters because television is different than, you know, other mm -hmm. forms. That people like to see characters come back that they like. Yeah. And... Uh, I had to pull some teeth to do it, but they decided they decided to, you know, uh, do do their characters more than once, and so that was great because um, everybody came up with good characters. You know? Oh my god, it. it's the best character. Yeah, they're the best. And yeah. Guy Guy Caballero, how what was the imp, what was the thought behind Guy Caballero? Who was the 
station manager of, yeah. of SCTV, and he was in a wheelchair, even if he didn't need it, but he was in it too for respect. He wanted respect. Right. So it was, um, what was, yeah. the, what was, how did that come about? That came about because, uh, uh, one time I was, when, when, uh, Harold was station manager of the show, mm -hmm. he was the big wheel on the show. And, uh, every once in a while he'd get phone calls from this guy, which was me, a gruff voice <laughs> saying, uh, you know, Mo Green, what are you doing? You know, stop that, <laughs> stop that immediately. <laughs> that kind of stuff. And so uh, <laughs> he said, who is this? And then I just sort of out of the blue said, uh, using that old gay Caballero thing, I said, this is Guy Caballero. Uh -huh. And you can see Harold actually laughing when I just do that line. But so I just did it, first of all, as a voice. Mm -hmm. But then um, Harold would, had to leave the show. And so we decided to, that Guy would take over the station, not just the station manager, he'd be the owner and president of SCTV. Uh, Harold thought I should play up my uh, South American Nazi ties. <laughs> so, yeah, you had your uh, boys from Brazil suit yeah, there. Yeah, boys from Brazil thing. And uh, so that's how we sort of got that started. Um, yeah, and Harold said, uh, you, you know, you should have, oh, I said, I wanted to be like, no one's going to get this reference. Lionel Barrymore in uh, what's the name of that movie? Uh, with Humphrey Bogart uh, on Key Largo. Key Largo. Key Largo. Yeah. Key Largo. Yeah. Key Largo. Uh, he was rolling around in a white suit and in, in, in a uh, in a uh -huh. wheelchair with a Panama hat. And I said, "That's what I want to look like, like that." And so that's what I did. I ended up in a wheelchair, and then uh, Harold said. Uh, you should tell him. And I said, I don't want to be stuck in that wheelchair all the time. No. He said, well, you should be able to get up and out, and, you know, move around. Mm -hmm. and, uh, if anyone asks you, you say you just use the wheelchair for respect, <laughs> which didn't make a lot of sense to me at the time. Uh -huh. that's what I did. And that's how Caballero was created. Mm -hmm. uh, so we had him there all the time to, you know, kind of move the show along, introduce scenes and stuff like that. And the other people begrudgingly started doing characters that uh, repeat characters. You know, um, Gene was quick to pick up on doing things like um, Woody Tobias Jr., better known as Bruno. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. And John also, he he repeated uh, Dr. Tom. Yeah. So that was quite a combination. Yeah. And, and myself. Uh, so we ran with that. And um, uh, Harold, um, who else? Dave had uh, his characters. <laughs> yeah. It Dave Dave didn't like the idea too much, but all of his characters were angry. So he was always <laughs> yeah, Bill Bill them. Needle was always Bill Needle, exactly, yes. <laughs> yeah. The um and, uh, Andrea was uh Andrea was uh, Edith Prickley. Yep, Edith Prickley. Uh, then and you then had she was that yeah. Catherine O'Hara was um the I mean yeah, the, yeah, she. Uh, I want to. I want to ha have your children. Why am I blanking? Bear your children. Yeah, I wanna, yeah. yeah, I want to bear your yeah. children. It was. Lola, yeah. Lola, what the heck was her last name? Um, Lola was, Heatherton. Lola, Lola yeah, Heatherton. Yeah, exactly. Lola yeah. Heatherton. Yeah. Yes. The. And that um, was. I gave her that name. I said, uh, "You should do a Joey Heatherton impression." And then she said, "Yeah, but I'll throw some Lola Falana in there." Sure. And that's her name. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
that's a that yeah. God, but we had we had so much fun doing that show. For you, the you can tell part. you can tell how much fun you were having. Yeah, because yeah. it felt like this sweet spot. You could do impressions of people. You could make up characters. You'd smash them together. Um, like some of your impressions, like <laughs> you doing. The, this might be a one you don't expect. Like your version, you doing Gavin McLeod. Oh. <laughs> it's one of the funniest things because he just kept saying, oh, I'm lucky. I'm lucky. I'm just lucky. Yeah. <laughs> it, um, yeah. yeah. What, what was that like? Like, did you ever hear any get ever get any response from people you did impressions of over the years? You know, that's interesting. I never did. Dave got feedback, negative feedback from people who did, uh, Richard, uh, what's his name? Harris. Richard Harris was one who wasn't too pleased. With oh, the, when, and also, Rick Rick Moranis said that uh, Dick Cavett wasn't real happy with his impression. <laughs> Plus, uh-huh. we, we also heard that Woody Allen wasn't too impressed with uh-huh. uh, Rick's Woody Allen. But, uh, Dave, yeah, Tom- we, Dave Thomas doing the, when he does that, what is an award? That thing at the oh, award yeah. show and he gets the brick he gets hit in the chest with a brick yeah yeah <laughs> i i don't love, oh my i don't think doing that. yeah we love throwing things on performers on stage we'd hit him with bricks we'd hit him with bowling balls <laughs> i'd hit a couple times with coconuts and bowling balls uh-huh. good way to show good way to show your bombing up there is just have someone in the audience hit you yeah get hit in the ball. chest with a brick big heavy ball or a brick yeah so you never heard from Alan Alda. Alan Alda was one of your impressions yeah. too. No, never heard anything from Alan uh, that I know of. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I thought that one was a pretty decent one too. I thought that was. Oh, it was a great, yeah. Yeah. And Sammy Maudlin was kind of the ultimate version of the showbiz, like the the ass kissy kind of back padding the Sammy Maudlin show where you were the host of a talk show where it was kind of the, cause that's the other thing with SCTV. Even as a kid, I could feel these oh, yeah. guys, these guys are making fun of the stuff. My parents yes. liked yeah. and they're yeah. pretty much and They're drawing a line between what my parents liked and what I'm going to like. This is where the line is. It was, Le- it was yeah. Letterman and it was SCTV saying, Here's the line. We're on the other side of the line, yeah, and we're we're yes. rejecting what that past stuff was. All the smarmy showbiz, uh, right? Where people that, probably hate each other, but they're saying they love them. Well, you know, we based that on a specific show. It was the Sammy Davis show, mm-hmm. uh, and he uh, he that's what he did. He'd, he'd invite all his showbiz buddies on, and they'd all come on and tell each other how great they were. <laughs> Uh-huh. You know, and how much he loved them. And they said, oh, Sari, I love you, too. And the shows were just these cheap schmooze fests. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, and so we said, let's do that. You know, let's have some characters. Gene wanted to do that bad stand-up comic. Uh, Bobby Bittman. <laughs> Bobby Bittman, yeah. yeah. And, of course, John, I, I gave him that part of uh, William B. Williams, who was the actual co-host on the Sammy Modlin show. Um William B. Williams, he did that. It was mm-hmm. great. I thought it was William B. He was on that. Now, there was the episode where 
William B. Williams, he realizes he's bringing the show down and he's going to go. He's going solo with his own talk show. I truly don't think I ever laughed as much as I did at that episode because that has he comes out. He bombs doing the monologue. He's got uh, Irving Cohen is the guest and he's mad at him. And yes. what was that was based on the the Joey Bishop show? Is that what that? Exactly, that's exactly right. Regis Philbin was the co-host when he first started out. Joey Bishop, the ratings weren't great, mm-hmm. and somebody said something. A critic said something about uh, Regis Philbin. He took umbrage to, and uh, uh, so one day on the show, he just said, uh, uh, "Okay, it's been good working with you, Joey." But uh, I've been bringing the show down. And the critics say I'm, I'm I'm holding you back. So <laughs> goodbye. And he just walked off. Uh huh. And, and uh, Bishop had no idea this was not planned or anything. And he just had this look on his face, like, you know, what the what the hell was that? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. He just couldn't. So, based on something that probably a reference that very few people got would would know about. But still, that's what we did. We used that. And then we had William B. walking off the show because he's bringing down Sammy's rage. <laughs> it's his own show. It yeah. Just <laughs> when he, and then Sammy Maudlin rolls in as the hero. Oh, right. When yeah. he says, uh, like, he's like, Irvin Cohen, he's got more hits than McLean Stevenson's got bombs. And it's like, <laughs> right. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's yeah. such, it was, it's just, the world you you all built is just um, nothing will ever top it. Um, what what is the appeal for you of playing dumb people? What would the, what, was that fun for you to play stupid people? Uh, you know what? Uh, I never thought about that, um, but I ended up doing that, didn't I? Uh, there were two things I guess I played. That's dumb people a lot, and. Drunk people, yeah, did a yeah. lot of drunk stuff, but uh, yeah, uh, I guess I did it well enough. I know everybody liked what I did on all the act, all of the uh, cast members liked uh, the stuff I did on uh, the soap opera uh-huh. as Rock, Rocco. Oh yeah, days of the I, week. Rocco. Yeah, Rocco was dumb. I mean, he was just pure dumb. Yeah, and uh, and then of course on Gene wrote it for me on uh, for the. Uh, the, the quiz show, what was that called? Halfwits. Uh, Halfwits, yes. Yeah. Yes. And I played a really dumb character on that. <laughs> Arthur Liggett was your name. Very good. Very See? good. Arthur Andrew Liggett. Believe, yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the names you came up with also Haji D. Robertus, <laughs> a childhood friend of mine. Really? Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, who wow. Later, yeah, who later became a doctor, strangely enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Haji D. Robertus. People seem to respond to that word, that name, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, you always had, yeah, it was just, how How did you, like, what were, what were the behind the scenes things? Like, how were you guys laughing all the time making these things? What was, how long were the days? Was it just a... Oh, yeah, it was a long, oh, it was arduous. We were writing and performing. And boy, that's we spent a lot of time doing that show. Uh, it was tough. It was a tough grind. And uh, we'd start every season 
off liking each other. By the end, we couldn't stand each other. Just two, yeah, close quarters. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, writing and performing, I'm telling you, our days were really bad and long. Mm-hmm. When we uh, we never had any breaks. But as soon as we finished shooting a scene, we'd have to go in there and write a scene. Sure. Finish writing that scene, we had to go in and shoot a scene. And uh, the days were long, brutal, uh, 12-hour days a lot of times. And um, <clears throat> so this, it was, you know what? And no one knew about our show. It wasn't like Saturday Night Live where we had audiences outside waiting to cheer us on nobody was there so we just had all we had was our show and ourselves especially in edmonton i'll tell you uh there was nothing to do there there was that wasn't like new york city you know sure yeah uh how'd you kill time in edmonton what did you do for fun uh we'd work we'd write we'd write sketches in our hotel room Mm -hmm. that's pretty much it I think it had one decent Italian restaurant who who threw us out one night because we weren't wearing suits or sport coats. Uh-huh. But, but we have a television show on it. Didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> well, everybody knows that great Italian food in Edmonton, of course. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes. um, it so it was, yeah, so it was a grind. You're working. Who, who, who could crack you up? the the easiest who could just get you to break i think two people john candy and uh and gene levy. okay eugene levy yeah. sure yes you remember well, any specific moments where you just couldn't hold it together uh think, uh, that's a good question i wish i would have had a little time to think about that one because uh yeah that we were we were able to get it through though we were very professional good crack up on camera ever mm-hmm. and um and uh i i think you know when we did the, the very first bruno and dr tongue thing about death motel <laughs> gene made me laugh <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and, and he had a character named uh woody no bruno yeah but the actor playing Bruno was Woody Tobias Jr. Yeah, who was kind of a, a little, he was a pompous, yeah, he was kind yeah, of a blowhard. So. Yeah, and when we first started doing it, I'd refer to uh, Gene as Woody, and he said, no, I'm not Woody. <laughs> I'm not, uh-huh. No, I'm not Bruno. I'd say Bruno, yeah. yeah. I'm not Bruno, I'm Woody Tobias Jr. Yeah. But anyway, stuff like that. Uh, geez, that one scene I love doing with Gene, uh, on the Canadian show, the CBC show. Sure. We did a parody of the front page challenge. Okay. And he played this character named Dougal Curry. <laughs> and the whole thing was, it wasn't fair because we were doing the CBC back in the 1950s, you know. But we, we wanted to parody CBC, the CBC network. Because uh, Python would, you know, parody the uh, BBC. Yeah. And, and so we decided to parody the CBC and uh, and he played that uh, that character, and it was a front page challenge. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was his name was Dougal Curry. And you could only what was it? You could only see his bottom teeth. He blacked out his top teeth. He <laughs> <laughs> was so funny. He was so boringly funny. Uh-huh. Uh huh. We had a lot of fun with that. I that made me laugh, and I made him laugh too because. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, same scene too, you know, because sometimes I just go up with my lines uh-huh. because before it was so funny, you know. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, that was uh, that was a lot of fun, and there were other times too. Uh, trying to remember with John, you know, I work with both those guys on stage, mm-hmm. at Second City Theater. Sure. Where I think John and I really got a good, you know, rapprochement, whatever. Uh, uh, working with him a lot, and he'd laugh. He'd laugh at stuff that I do. Uh, what What was his energy like as a performer for you to play ooh. off of? Oh, good, good. Oh, really good. John had great energy, and uh, and he'd bring that to the character, and uh, and he was he was fun to watch. You know, when you're when you're playing another character, watching him play this character, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. I think the most one we had, and, and Gene agrees with this, was in the uh, soap opera where John played straight man to me uh, uh, as Rocco. Mm-hmm. He and was he was the, Dr. William Wainwright. Right, Wainwright, yes, yeah. yes. He played straight man to me. Yeah. But he was a great straight man. Oh you know, my just, God. <laughs> Some of the funniest things I see that it's all rushing back to me now when he was trying to get you to eat the sandwich in jail. <laughs> yeah. And you're just, he's like, just eat it. It's got green stuff on it. It's green stuff. <laughs> and and yes. you almost course, had it in your mouth. Yeah. Um, and then of course the, uh, what was that drink I had to order? A scotch and, oh yeah. Scotch and tomato juice. <laughs> <laughs> he made me order order that. Oh, it 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 just the show has meant so much to me in so many ways. I want to ask you about uh when I told I told my friend Peyton you were gonna be on, he said I have to ask you about 1941, about being in 1941. Really, really? Yeah. No, I don't get that much, but yeah. Um Boy, that was interesting. Because it's a strange wow. movie that it was like one of Steven Spielberg's rare misses in terms yes. of commercial. Yes. And oh, it, yes. But it's a really interesting movie. I've, I've seen it over the years a bunch of times, and it's kind of like it kind of almost gets there, and then it ugh, it's, it's very frustrating. <laughs> yes. So, uh, Well, here's the case with that. Steven, uh, interestingly enough, he, he was a big fan of Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he was a fan of, a big fan of, uh, geez, what's the movie that, uh, come on, Harold wrote, Belushi was in the, the fraternity movie. Oh, uh, Animal House. Animal House, yes. Yeah, yeah. So Stephen loved that movie. And even after our, our first season on SCTV, Stephen became a fan of SCTV. So, uh I don't know how that happened. If it, he just decided to use me, uh, or if John put a good word in it for him, because he was definitely using John. He wanted Belushi and Candy for sure, and Danny Ackwood, who was also a Second City guy. Um, and so I got into that. He got me the job. I was only supposed to last something like a couple of days, because mm-hmm. I, I my part was nondescript. They didn't even have a, t- a character for the title. I was just up on stage. And uh, and so I, you know, I started playing around with the cam- camera. I mean, you know, with the dialogue. When the camera would come on me, I'd be I start improvising. Mm-hmm. I just assumed this Spanish character, 
and uh, speak with a Spanish accent. And uh, everybody was laughing, you know, everybody was on a set were chuckling and laughing. Stephen liked that. So he made the part bigger. He gave me a bigger part, mm-hmm. ended up, I was, instead of a couple of days, I ended up doing it for three weeks. Okay. And uh, yeah. And I was happy. To, I, I thought it did a good job. I remember Pauline Kale, the critic, said that she wished the whole movie took place in that U, uh, USO club. Yes. Because of the sequence is there. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I had a chance to just open up and every, he let me do whatever I wanted. Uh, whatever, say whatever I wanted. Mm-hmm. So that's, I padded my part quite nicely. Sure. There. Yeah. You got it. Well, that's where the improv and skills I'm come definitely, in. He's still, Stephen loved comedy. He wanted to do a comedy, but he didn't have the vaguest idea of how to do a comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and honestly, he doesn't have a comedic mind, you know? Uh, he just doesn't. I think he'll admit that now. Sure. Um, yeah. So he was always calling us in for suggestions. He'd called John Candy in. He'd call me in. He called Belushi. He called Danny in. What do you think I do about this? What do you think? So we had a, I had a feeling anyway, I thought, you know, this, uh, this may not turn out too well. Sure. Steven. Well, because and, uh, that's what happened. One of the things is bigger isn't always better in comedy. Yeah. You got to right. pick your spots with the bigger stuff. And that movie yeah. is just all bigger. Right. Right. I wish you would have stuck to the original script more which Bob Zemeckis wrote incidentally, mm-hmm. uh, because that would have been a more coherent movie, you know? Sure. But he didn't, he, he, pardon me? Oh, no, I, I was agreeing with you. Yeah. But he didn't do that. And, uh, and so uh, it just kind of, you know, just was scattered all over the place. It didn't have a central focus, a comedic focus. And so it, it didn't do well. And uh, interestingly enough, I got a call after I did that movie. I, I did some other project. Then I got a call saying, you want to do uh, a movie called, um, what the heck was that movie now? Jeez. Now I just went up on the movie. This will be happening quite often. Uh, <laughs> used cars, used cars. Of course, of course, used yeah, cars. They said, you want to come in and do used cars? We just fired John Candy. <laughs> I, said, <laughs> I said, what? Yeah, we just got rid of John Candy. Uh, I find, come to find out his, his agent booked him for two movies at the same time. Uh-huh. <laughs> so they weren't happy with that. So they they told him to, to pick one movie, but not not uh, used cars. What, so what, do you I think, think he, was it Stripes that he would have done instead of used cars? Uh, let's see now. What happened there? No, no, no. It, whatever the movie was he did mm-hmm. was not very okay. popular. Uh, I can't remember what it was, but I don't think it was a very popular movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it may have been. I'd have to check into that. Look, so uh, yeah, so I ended up in used cars and um, working with Bob Zemeckis, and uh, that was good. Uh, that was fun. I liked that. And he used me later in uh, Back to the Future Two. Back to the Future Part Two, which. Yes. Now, just so you get some perspective on where I'm coming from, I go to the theater, I see Back to the Future 2, the only thing I'm talking about leaving it was that Joe Flaherty had a telegram <laughs> at the end of the movie. 
Really? That was my favorite part. Look, oh, look, I love really? the movie, but I was still just like, yeah. that, that was the part that truly blew my mind. <laughs> really? Because I I wanted to be try to be funnier than that, but Bob wanted me not to, mm-hmm. you know, be too 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 funny. So I had to play it fairly straight. So uh I did trying to but trying to get some kind of cheap drama, melodramatic mm-hmm. to it. Uh the, and the funny thing I tell everybody is uh when we were shooting that, Bob came up to me and said, Okay, we're gonna have it's gonna be mud. We have mud all over the studio studio floor. Rain is gonna be falling. We have water coming down, tons of water. We're gonna put in lightning and thunder. He said, So you have to talk up. You really have to talk up over that. So I did. If you watch it, you see the movie, you know, I'm just, are you Marty McFly? I'm, <laughs> well, I happen to be, I'm talking at the top of my voice. And then you cut to Michael Fox and he's saying, uh, yes, yes, I'm Marty McFly. Uh, what are you here for? <laughs> just, uh-huh. just his voice at all. But anyway, yeah, that was, uh, but that was cool to do. I like that. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to take too much of your time. I, I just want to, um, this is this this I just have to say this is this is one of the true thrills for me to get to talk to you. I never as a kid, I never would think that I would get to talk to Joe Flaherty and I did today and it really wow. is uh mind blowing and I have so much gratitude for everything that you've done and uh I just wanna thank you on behalf of me and my friends who this changed all of our lives. Thank you so much for everything you made. Well, thank you. That was very heartwarming. And uh, I really appreciate you having me on the show. And yes, once again, uh, it's great to talk to people that love the show that much. You love that show. Oh, I, you I, really I, love. It. Yes, I. Uh, yeah, I just I could ask you about uh, about uh, Count Floyd and and Floyd Roberts and all this stuff, but oh, there's yeah. only so much time we have. So yeah, I just sure. you know thank you so much for for this oh. and. I hope everybody uh I hope people go see uh the movie on uh on Friday. The wrong guy, yeah. It's over at Dynasty Typewriter. The regular tickets are sold out, but there will be a standby line. So uh Joe will be there. Uh and thanks again, Joe. What a treat this was. Sure. Just one quick thing. Of course. Let's see. I'm gonna move over. Can you, uh, let me see. Yeah. Can you make out that poster in the background? I guess you can. can I see. I can't make it. Is it's you? It's Guy Caballero. Yes, and it says, "Is SCTV too good for TV?" <laughs> and uh, it was the Soho News printed that front page, uh, and that was fun. That was cool. Amazing. Really like that. Yeah. No. This. All right. This is such. A, thank you so much, and. Uh, Please tell Paul I said hi, and uh, I hope I get to talk to you again. Okay, great. Okay, Okay, thanks so much. Sure. Good talking to you. You too. Um, Now I'm going to cry. All right. I don't know what to do. I don't either. What do I do again? (laughs) We don't know what to do. What do we do? I'm going to mute you real quick, Joe. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, Yeah, that was... uh, that's a true highlight. Wow. Um Yeah, let me um give me a second here. Yeah.
Hi everybody, Tim Heidecker here. We have a brand new Office Hours that just came out of the oven. We've got legendary psych rocker Ty Siegel. And Doug is back from down under. G'day. G'day. And his mommy came with him. Mommy and Gary Lusenhop are here too. Alicia let me know that she finished the White Album, has thoughts on that. So much more on this legendary episode of Office Hours. Find us on your podcast app of choice or watch us on YouTube at youtube.com slash office hours live. Who are the animals because I don't smell them. Yeah. Or uh, is it possible for me to talk to any one of the horsemen, for example? You uh, you should be good for all of that stuff. Okay, before we move on to other stuff, who is who is that? That's me. That's Jason Dudiogor. Uh, <clears throat> uh, Tom, I have to say, this might be the first time I've gotten teary-eyed uh, being here on The Best mm-hmm. Show. Really? Yeah. I mean, you've made me cry a lot. Sure. Well, that's when I generally scream at you. Yeah, and, and it's a different things. feeling. It's a yeah. different feeling. But like that guy means so much. I know how much he means to you mm-hmm. and how much he means to me. And just, you know, my God, unbelievable. Yeah, it just I I was uh, I was not ready for what that was going to feel like to talk to uh, that guy. For yeah, everything he meant to me. AP Mike, are you here? Yeah, that was Look that was that. phenomenal, Tom. Great job. Oh, thank you, Mike. See, this is why just, we just, do it. <laughs> just hearing all the, the names of those characters again, you know, you, you just smile because the yeah. the memories just yeah. come flooding back and it's just hilarious. Yeah. Oh. Unbelievable. Uh Pat Byrne. I'm here. There we I'm go. Here, Pat. Tom. How are you? Well How done. You? Thank you. Good. Thank you. Now um mm. yeah. That was something else. I didn't. I didn't know that was him in Back to the Future Two. Yeah, that's I him. I never at, knew that. That's oh, him yeah. at the end of Back to the Future Two. Um, He's made up to be so, and it's also pouring rain. But I've, I guess, I haven't seen it in so long. I never. He plays it so. That. He plays it so seriously too. So. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Mike, you you do remember staying up to try to watch SCTV? Well, I'm going to blow your mind, Tom. Uh, well, okay. Well, hold to, on, uh, hold on. Yeah, I just had yeah. it blown once, or when I get yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> I only got so much ac- mind left, Mike. <laughs> I had access to Will William William T- Wilming- Wilmington, Delaware, uh, PBS. Okay. And they must have had a really cool setup down there because they would play SCTV every day. An episode is SCTV oh my God, every day God. at a certain time. I can't remember what, what time it was. I still have the videotapes. <laughs> I was just thinking, you know, I've got all these videotapes. I was videotaping every episode. Wow. And I still have the tape someplace. Amazing. And I'm like, do I have do I have to buy a VCR now to, to go through those? I old think tapes? you do. I think you gotta digitize all that, man. That's the only but way I, we get it I on streaming. Bo- I do have the box sets too. Yeah. And the Christmas special, of course. Um Mike, yeah. that it yeah, it just wow. um Yeah, that show shaped everything for me. I, I don't understand why a it isn't on streaming and b why you know it doesn't have its own like Pluto channel. I would watch that all the time. Yeah, me too. Me too. I don't and know. I thought I was done with uh, Back to the Future, but now I got to watch Back to the Future too. 
Look at that. Mike <laughs> thought he was out. Now he's back. He's pulled back if in. If it's not enough for him to watch these yeah. Marvel movies, now he's got to watch Back to the Future. Yeah. What's next? Next Avatar he's going to be watching. It's just... I love the idea that Mike suddenly sat down and was like, you know what? I think I'm done with Back to the Future. Yeah. One Yeah, there was a, is a technical issue where they... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I just I couldn't go further after the right. first the first one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. No, that uh that was pretty uh I w- I was that that happened relatively quickly and again, I want to thank um everybody over at Hollywood Entertainment and people can follow them. It's Hollywood Entertainment but the O's This is why we got to pick names, guys. Hollywood but Wood or those are Z- it's Holly W zero zero D entertainment on Instagram. So swap out those the second and third O's in Hollywood for zeros, and you will get to their Instagram. But I am so grateful for that. That uh, that was a gift. Um, and that's the second mm. SCTV uh. Who who have I met? I met Andrea Martin on yeah. Difficult People. Legend. The legendary Julie Klausner made the legendary Difficult People. Yeah. I met uh, Joe Flaherty now, Martin Short I've met. Um, I think that might be it. I don't think I've ever met no, anybody No else. Rick Moranis. No Rick Moranis, no Dave Thomas. I once ro- I once rode in a car. Uh, an Uber where the guy was like, you know who I just had in here? I just had Rick Moranis in here. Mm-hmm. And I just wait. Hold on a second. Did, did, did that cabbie just get on the line for a second? <laughs> hey, you know who I had in here. Hey guys, what's going on? Yeah, and uh, Jason, look, wow. I never judge performances. <laughs> Let me hear this cab. More you, of this cab. Hey, you know what? I, that sounded I, I'm a just, little. Can you give me more of the cab? Did the cab? <laughs> I just want to ask you this: yeah. Did the cab drive through some sort of time tunnel? To the forties, <laughs> extra, extra. Read all about it. Rick Moranis was in here. You were just like, yeah, you know, I hand in the bank of my kid. Can't believe it. <laughs> um, I thought it was Jay Leno. Yeah, anybody hear about this camp? <laughs> anybody hear about this camp we just had? Um, yeah, that was that was truly special. I'm gonna. Uh, wow, Horseman. Stand oh, down and stand by. <laughs> All right. God. And also, can uh, this is my challenge to the four. Uh, this is a four horsemen challenge. Uh-huh. If I could get some sort of like sweeping music. Like, oh, yeah. Those, and just like with with the sounds of galloping horses. Oh, you're going to get it. You're, I'm, I'm already working on it. Tom. Okay. You're going to get that very soon. Okay. Like an Aaron Copeland yeah. kind of. Yeah, feel. beef. Well, beef. Yeah, that's what the Aaron Copeland thing. Like he did the commercial, the music for like beef. Yeah, that's remember? what he was known for. That beef. Commercial. That's what he did, and then his career blew up after that. Yeah, he was a struggling composer. <laughs> He's like, thank until, God for this beef. Until commercial. he put that beef commercial together, then it was just <laughs> off to the races. Uh, completely. Yeah. No, that was what about, great. Uh, what about uh? What's that, Pat? Morricone. Morricone might not be as triumphant 
No. Well, it might be. It's like more, more moody, and it's it's not as like brazenly American. The all right, like that. You know, like that. Like there's a there's a there's a there's like an awareness to Morricone to me. Does that is, bonanza theme? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. You want something that says horse. I want something that says horse. Thank you, Pat. And that's it. Horse. All right, horseman, stand by. <laughs> stand down and stand by. Alrighty. Um so yeah, again, patreon.com slash the best show. That's how you support the show. Go over there. We got bonus stuff going up all the time. Um yeah, it's uh it's we we're really working hard on the Patreon and uh it's pretty special what we have happening over there and so don't don't miss it. Um Um yeah, let's let me see what I am at here with the Where are the f- Let me go to the phones how can i how come i can't find the phones here we go um yeah let's go we got busy phones happening tonight hot phones we'll take a couple calls then we will get to uh the jury duty uh uh extravaganza but we got hot phones right now hello best show hey tom it's merlin calling from newbridge springs how are you tonight I'm good. I'm good. How are you tonight, Merlin? I'm I'm good. That was that was amazing. That that was huge stuff. That was great. Show Flaherty. Thank you. Thank you. It was really something else. Great job. Um, I only wish you'd have asked if he and Lola Heatherton ever made the Beast with two backs because I heard they did. Well, I mean that doesn't exactly track because. Um, He's Lowell Heatherton is a character, a character, but he's a not a, okay. Never mind. I didn't get to ask that one. Sorry. No, I, I brought it up because I heard that he and Bobby Bittman still don't speak because of it. Again, it's a character, um, but yeah, I guess we could argue about about that all night. Who's a character and who's real? I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, we really could go back and forth all night long. I think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, you probably uh, recognize my voice a little bit because I have the same voice as as my dad, or so I've, I've been told. Really? Who 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 yeah, yeah. who is that? Who's your dad? Well, well, I think you're going to find this delicious. My father was a meditation instructor who called into the best show. Gosh, maybe twenty years ago. You remember this? I do remember this. Like a meditation and yeah, yeah, yeah. My my dad was Gregor McWilliams, and he was also he called himself the relaxation guru. That's right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That that's pretty cool, isn't it? That is. That's um, that's very. So that's your dad. That's my dad. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so it's, it's kind of crazy. And if you'll recall, my dad tried to lead you through a basic visualization to kind of, you know, calm, calm your mind and all, all your anxiety. 
And you apparently started to get very irate to the point of flagrant rage. And my dad said he had to terminate the call because he was afraid for his own safety, even though the two of you were not even in the same room. That, no, that's not how that went down at all, uh, Merlin. It was, this is, it's oh. all coming back to me. Now, your dad was trying to lull me into a state of deep relaxation. And then he, he was somehow implanting these like dem- demonic ba- bears. I, if I remember correctly, and it like right into my mind what? and he was, then he was trying to get me to like kill for him. And what? he's the one that became completely unhinged. Not me. Well, I'll tell you, his version of the story is really different, you know, but uh, well, again, we could like argue it. that all night. And, and yeah, well, it's neither here nor there, I, I don't think. Sure. It's neither neither here nor there. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But I'll, I, I, yes, I, I, I called because I, I, I had some deep discussions with my dad in his last years. And his big regret was that he couldn't get you to relax. And he wanted me to carry on his uh, legacy of relaxation by studying meditation and massage. And that's what I did. And by chance, that's also the name of my new spa here in Newbridge. The name of the spa is what? Legacy of relaxation. Okay. So it's, okay. All right. Yeah. Our logo, our logo is really cool. It's the misfits crimson ghost massaging Marilyn Monroe's voluptuous skeleton on a marble slab. It's pretty cool. Well, that that's a, okay. I guess it's, yeah. it's a, it's a, there's, those are choices. Yeah. 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 It's pretty neat. Um, but yeah, my, my dad, to be honest, he did have a small tiny problem with anger, but, uh, that's why he got into meditation in the first place. And, uh, he was pretty good for the rest of his life, but he did lapse once before his death. Shame. He did. He had a, he had a, what was that all about? Um, he beat up a Taylor Swift concert in 2015. He did what? He beat up a a Taylor Swift concert. A, a, A whole concert. Well, honestly, it wasn't the whole concert. It, it, uh, just Section 245 of Current Pharmaceuticals Arena. Okay. And yeah, he, so, probably like 500 people. So your dad, your dad fought five, 500 people. Yeah, yeah. So he, he was coming up on concessions, and he, he, had, he got almost to his seat, and he dropped his popcorn, and some guy made a joke about, hey, maybe there's too much butter on it, and he went ate that hit, and yeah, he didn't take ribbing very well at all. So he was pretty thin-skinned. Yeah, and, and thankfully, I, I didn't inherit my dad's thin skin, which, interestingly enough, is ex- exactly what killed him in, in the long run. What what do you mean? Well, he was in the process of getting a giant yin and yang symbol tattoo all over his back. Uh-huh. But because he, he was 80, his skin was really, uh, they call it being being crepey. You know, so it was like very thin and loose. And the, the thick black ink from the tattoo went right to his liver. And he died of uh, what's commonly known as thackets. Oh. 
Well, that's, 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 I'm sorry to hear that. Thank you. I'll tell you, he, he was so annoyed at being sick at the end. He, he tried to beat up a police graduation ceremony that was happening just down the street. That, so again, the anger was. Yeah. 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 So he was out of control and you would be absolutely right in guessing that he got his ass blown off that day. So that's how he died. That is, yeah, that's. Uh, you, 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 I, I, that's exactly what I was going to guess. Right. Yeah. So uh, while I'm calling, I want to honor my dad's wishes and show everyone that relaxation, deep relaxing is very possible, even for the most flagrantly unhinged, like, well, like yourself. So Wait, I, uh, okay. I would love yeah. What? Yeah. No. I. I didn't. I would not define myself as flagrantly unhinged, but I want to see where this is going. Well, I, I'm. I'm just. I'm just basing that on what my dad said and what I've been hearing so far in the last ten minutes. Okay. Well, look. Let, I'll go where this yeah. goes. So you. This is an okay. act of. This I want to okay. lead you through a meditation. Okay. Okay. Sure. Then this is sure. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll let's, let's try it. Okay. All right. I want you to just close your eyes. Okay. We just kind of center ourselves. We, um, we, we kind of feel like our legs are giant tree trunks that are making their way into the earth and it's all good. We're, we're a part of the earth. It's very relaxing. Um, all right, so we get the energy from the earth, mm-hmm. comes up to us in our solar plexus, all right? And now we're going to take a little walk, okay? We're good. This is all visualization, all right? Okay. Walking very slowly. It's a beautiful day. We're in the woods. There's a stream babbling to our left. There are birds chirping. It's, it's just a beautiful experience. All is well, and, and you're barefoot, and you're walking in the dirt. There's no, there's nothing to to prick you at all. It's, it's all just, it's, it's still. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. What's that? I, I, I just peek to see what time it is on, on my uh, computer and, um, things like someone in the best show chat named Tom spawn 69 thinks I sound like if something called Nardwar was also the most boring person in the world. Okay. Um, uh, that's on, on them. And uh, to, to that person, I say sticks and stones can break, can break my bones. But uh, uh, Tom, let's get back to the meditation. Okay. Yeah. yeah I'm, so I'm walking. Okay. So we're walking. Uh, all right. We're, just, we're still walking. Oh my God. There's a little fox that just kind of crossed and the fox says hello to you. And, you say hello. This is, this is all nonverbal. Okay, so I'm, so I'm like walking. nodding at the maybe like nonverbally saying hello Absolutely. to the fox. Okay. Yes, yes, it's all it, yes, it's all joined. All right, mm-hmm. all right. Now we go to a waterfall. There's a beautiful crystal waterfall. That's just, that's sure. One of us, and we're, we slowly ma- we slowly make our way into the lagoon. It's a very warm water. It feels wonderful okay. and. And now all that water, that water is just cleansing away all the negativity. Okay? Everything is everything's kind of slowing down and just feeling... Ah, 
<laughs> well, I, uh, I'm in the lagoon. Someone now. on the chat name. Well, I, I see someone on the chat named Mike Maniac sixty nine says I look like Randy from Lamb of God lecturing a woman on how Bob Marley's Legend album is quote the real deal when it comes to the black experience. Uh, well, as you know, as as Eckhart Tolle says, uh, others people other people's opinions of me are none of my business. So. Let's forget that, and we'll give it another go. Okay, okay. Here we go. We're back. Um, we're we're back at that waterfall. Okay, I'm in. Water I'm cleansing. St- I'm still the cleansing all the negative energy and thoughts. Yeah. The lagoon. Yeah. This lagoon yeah. feels nice, Merlin. Feels very nice. Yes, yeah. so and now everything is all worries are evaporating. They don't really exist. There, it, it, it's you know, it's it, none of it is real. And now we're going to come out of the lagoon we're all purified now okay and we're gonna we're gonna walk to a, a field that's just nothing but flowers the most beautiful okay now that's it that is it and hey mr peanut shoe man 69 yeah meet me at the batter butler on muffler road tonight at midnight and we'll see who looks like they quote play really high up the neck if you know what i mean unquote i I don't even know what that means but it sounds really bad well let's see the chat don't worry about the chat i wouldn't worry about the i can't i mean i'm I'm, i can't no you can't what forget forget it come out of the lagoon forget it the meditation's over and and i want to say tom this really re- reinforces what a lot of people in Newbridge are saying about you and your creep legion of sycophants. Wait, what? What are you talking about? Oh, are you kidding? My neighbors have called an emergency meeting for tomorrow morning at six a.m. with Officer Harris to discuss what they call the best show cult problem. <laughs> the the best show cult problem. Yes, yes. I've heard numerous sources that kids are walking around Newbridge School for the flagrantly problematic child, smooshing Oreos in other kids' faces, then lighting the resulting crumb face on fire. I. This is all news to me, Merlin. Well, you should know about it. Apparently, they're, they, they video it, and then they put it up on that app Tinkle Talk, which I, I've heard is a TikTok knockoff from north korea tink okay um tinkle talk yeah okay well i'm just look i'm a little thrown i was in the lagoon just a minute ago heading toward a field of flowers and then now i know you're accusing me i'm certain i'm certain i can't what you can't be fixed i'm certain i can't be fixed oh god no no way Oh, that's the worst thing you could ever. First of all, I didn't know I needed to be. I know. Fixed. I'm. Look, you don't. I'm kidding. I'm. I'm all out of sorts, Tom. You're fine. And, okay. Well, you don't have to like take it out on on me. I know. I know. I know. I'm just. I'm really upset with my life right now. What? What's? What's wrong? My my marriage is hanging by the proverbial thread. Okay. Something something wrong? 
Yeah, I, I'm under big pressure to come up with a good summer vacation to make up for what happened last year. What 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 on earth happened for it to be this bad? Well, I had a great idea to go to the Grand Canyon and talk about life imitating art. Our experience was straight out of that movie where the man asks the other man why he needs his address to rent a cabin. And the first man tells the second man they like to send out a mailer. I can't think of the name of the movie, though. That's uh, that's a uh, National Lampoon's vacation. That's it. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. It, 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 uh, it, it was kind of like that. And everything was fine at first. Flight was good. My rental car in Phoenix upgraded me. Full drive up to the canyon. Checked in at the hotel. And that's kind of where everything went south. Okay. It, it all went south. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tom, I- I'm going to be honest. I was utterly enchanted by the hotel desk attendant whose name was Marcy. Okay. What And what happened and with that? She, well, I'll first ex- uh, tell you about her. She was like, if the third Wilson sister in heart was Silkwood era Meryl Streep, like blazing. Okay, I don't, I don't care about that. Okay. All right. Well, but, well, uh, I mean, I, to, to reiterate, even my son Strummer, he was taken aback by her. He looks at her you know, through the window and looks at me and he goes, damn Merlin. People are disrespectful. That's what your son said? Yeah. Tom, my son is five and newsflash, he's a huge Best Show fan. What on earth is wrong with you people? Okay. What do you mean? What's wrong with you people? The people in the chat? Still? Well, the guys, no, everyone involved in this show. You, your oh. crew of uh, like fish, fillet of fish eaters. I don't know what's going on. Okay, on well, then, then, then the don't, you don't worry about it then, okay? Well, maybe I want to worry about it. Well, maybe I don't want you to. Okay, well, we'll be in utter disagreement about that. I so, guess we will. Getting back to the story... Um, sounds great to me. So to say I was smitten by Marcy is, is an understatement. And at this point, the vacation actually turns out way more like the hard break kid than vacation. Okay. How? Uh, so, please, I want to hear more of this now. Now you've intrigued. Okay, now I'm intrigued. Well, I'm going well, to tell you. Great. So Marcy takes me to our hotel room. It's just me. My wife and kids are still in the car in the air conditioning. Mm-hmm. So turns out the hotel doesn't use room keys. They use a, a unique eight-digit code. So each each door has its own unique code. Um, but it's eight digits, so it's not like you would just instantly remember it. So Marcy tells me the code, and then she opens the door, shows me the room, and then she closes it. And we start walking back to the lobby, and she asks if I want to write the code down. And whatever that dumb male thing is in me kicks in and I snicker, I point in my brain and I go, nah, I got it all up here. And then like I stopped in a doorway and I did a pull up. I don't even know why, like, like to impress her or something. It was like, I was a caveman. Like you're trying to show off your strength. Yes. Yes. Weird. So stupid. Yeah. So 
Well, I, you know, honestly, Tom, I didn't have the code up there at all. Not one digit from it. Okay. And I had no idea what the code was because I was just so like enthralled by her. And so, you know, so we, we leave, I don't go out to the car yet. I go back to the room just to see if I can like guess what it was. No dice. It's so it's impossible. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to ask Marcy because I didn't want her to think I was weak, dumb or not cool because I, so I couldn't ask her. I didn't want to ask anyone else at the hotel because what if they told Marcy and then she'd think I was weak, dumb and uncool. And I guess I had this whole fantasy going like, you know, like Charles Grodin did in the heartbreak kid and, Oh my God. And you know, it was, it was just a fantasy. It was, it was like the one I know you had about being plucked out of the crowd at a flock of seagulls concert and taking over bass from Frank Maudsley when he got taken ill by food poisoning. So, you know, our minds really go wild. They do. And that was one of my biggies and it took years to get yeah. past that one. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's big. It's they're hard to get over. So mm. I go out to the car and I tell my wife and kids that the room just isn't ready yet. Okay. And I kept doing that for five days straight. Wait, wait but where was your family? In the car. They slept in the car for five days. Yeah. We'd, we'd wash up in the lobby bathroom and then the kids, you know, the kids would swim in the pool. And I, I was able to do this because I was able to keep my wife away from the front desk by telling her that there was one, like a giant monitor lizard behind the desk. And that's her biggest fear. She saw something on Nat Geo about them and hugely afraid of them. So that kept her from even going, really spending much time in the lobby at all. But for five days, Everybody still rolled with this. Yeah. 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 The kids, the kids are young enough that they, you know, they just kind of went along, but then I got us banned from the hotel lobby by the night attendant. What, how'd that happen? Well, they had a sign that said, do not slam outer door, the outer door to get in, in the pool. But I thought it said to slam it. So I kept slamming it. And I told all my, I told my kids to slam it also. Why would anybody tell you to slam a door? I don't know. In retrospect, it makes no sense. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think I was just like, I was just like in love. It was weird. I, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. And so like all this time I'm, I'm hanging around Marcy, like a puppy dog at the front desk while my wife and kids are asleep in, in the gremlin in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. Are you, are you drive a gremlin. Yeah, all, all, all Avis had were four yellow gremlins. Okay. Well, that must've been a busy, busy stretch for Avis if they only had gremlins left. Yeah. And mine, mine had, had those whistles on the back member. Um, was his name rough? T- was his name rough tough or, or, uh, Bub um, rub. The, yeah, the whistles that go Bub rub. Yeah. The whistles that go woo. Yeah. We, Bub rub loved and, and little sis. They had the, uh, yeah, the whistle yeah. tips on their car. Yeah. So if I, if I drove around at all, it was so loud. Oh my God. It was. So they really, rented uh, you a car. They rented you a car with whistle tips. I, I needed a car. Yeah. And, and I said, well, what about these whistle tips? You know, they're going to wake up 
wake up people, you know, and, you know, they're going to bother people. And, and the guy said what, what Bob Rubb said, he said that that's all, only in the morning. People should be making breakfast that, that early in the morning. That's, I guess is right. That is right. Bob Rubb really did. Uh, it was hard to argue with that. Yeah. 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 So, so that, that went on the whole time and I'm not proud of my behavior, but I, I couldn't believe I got away with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the vacation was a disaster, but my wife, my wife never knew why we never got, got in there, got in the, you know, in our, uh, our place. So, you know, something like that, usually you can get away with, with it. I don't know, a few hours, maybe, maybe five hours, maybe, maybe a day, mm-hmm. two, two days, I don't know, maybe, maybe four days, I don't know, maybe, maybe five or maybe, maybe even a week, you mm-hmm. know, maybe three weeks, maybe, you know, maybe even a month or a month and a half. Okay. Okay. I think we, maybe, maybe even five. I'm sorry. Uh, Okay. Yeah. You get the, yeah, but, but but eventually you do get caught, but, but I, I, I really didn't. And the sad part is that I never got to see Marcy again. So that's, that's really sad. Yeah. It's real sad, (laughs) real sad. That's the, that's the takeaway here. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you know, I'm trying, I'm just trying to put that behind me and I want to talk about something uh, that, that happened uh, recently on, on the show. There, there was a caller who you barely let speak who told a story of an impressive, uh, impressive father who I, I guess forbade him to listen to anything but prog rock. Is that, was that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Someone well, called last week and it was, yeah. Yes. Father was just like oppressive and wouldn't let him do anything. I had that same experience. It wasn't at all musical, but my father converted to what I can only call flagrant Catholicism when, when I was 12. What, and what does that mean? Well, let me say, my, my dad wasn't very spiritual, but he was really religious. He, he loved all the guilt and punishment and torture that went with, with uh, religion. And um, he, he also loved the hats that the head church men wore. He, he often said he wished to, uh, he could eat them because they looked like a really cool cake. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's weird. So, yeah. So he only let us listen to these Catholic chants. So I hadn't heard any classic rock at all my whole teenage years. And my, my friends would mention songs. So I, I knew titles of songs that were popular, but I, I'd make up how I thought the songs went, just like that guy that called in. So, you know, I, I had to make up my own songs. It's pretty interesting. Like what, what songs? Were there specific ones? Well, like, yeah. Uh, there's a song called Born to Run by Bruce Springsteen. And how, Okay, now how did you think that went? Well, I, I, I still think it probably goes like... Just like Jesse Owens, you know I was born to run from the lowest pit to the highest peak. Oh, girl, I'm gonna run that thing all night long. Does it go like that? It, like it doesn't. It doesn't. Song. It doesn't. No. Crap. Okay. Well, you know about Joan Jett, right? I know Joan Jett. Sure, of course. She has a she has a song called "I Love Rock and Roll." She does. Yes. Yeah. And how, uh, uh, I think I think it probably goes like this. I love rock and roll, but I don't like country music. Sounds like a whole lot of hillbilly bullcrap, and that don't fly with me. 
it's weird because it's a country song that makes fun of country songs. That's strange right? that you would that uh, you would think a song about loving rock and roll and hating country music would be a country song. Well, yeah, well, I, I guess it's almost like putting a pill in something sweet, like a like you know, like a miniature Snickers bar or something for a child. Sure. You put pills in Snickers bars. Is that a is that a thing you do? It's like a, you know, like if a child ha- needs like a um, a decongestant or something, and you you kind of grind it up and you put it in the in, in a little okay bite sized Snickers bar. Yeah, right. Oh, I don't. I don't. Mm. Or, any, or any, any kind of vitamin. I don't know a vitamin or something. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, and uh, sure, sure, okay. Talking about nefarious reasons, I'm talking about medicine. Of course, no, I didn't think it was nefarious. It's a little weird, but okay, all right, okay, fair enough. Hey, you know the band Green Day, right? Oh, of course. Well, they had, they had their first big hit was a song called Basket Case, I think. That's right. Yes. All I ever heard was my friends talking about Basket Case, so I made up my own song. I think it probably goes like this. Don't come near the basket. There's a monster living in there with green skin, putrid teeth, and a swath of thin gray hair. It's a basket case, bitch. Does it go like that? <laughs> I, I wish it did, honestly. that's That actually is much more intriguing than the actual song. Uh-huh. Especially like the well, bitch. I like that part also. Bitch. Yeah, yeah, it's, and yeah. It's like it. It kind of it has like a, almost like a uh, like a rap sort of quality to it. Mm-hmm. It really um, does. At, yeah. At the end. Okay. Yeah. All right. One more. Uh, there's a song by the Who called "Baba O'Reilly." That's right. Yes. I think it goes like this. Baba O'Reilly picks up the rice in the church where a wedding has been. You go like that? That's, uh, no, it doesn't. That's a different song, actually. Ooh. That's Eleanor Rigby by the Beatles. Oh, I've never heard it. I, I must have heard it somewhere then. I don't know. You never wow. heard, cool. you never heard, oh, okay, sure. No, 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 not that, not that I know of. Hey, speaking of music, mm-hmm. I saw a live band for the fir- for the first time in years last Saturday. Okay, who did you see? I went to um, well, I I, I went to Los Amigos Outdoor Moy Guapo Thunderdome. Mm-hmm. What a fun night that was! Cool place, cool place. So the um, the opening band was pretty weird. They were called Tiny Pith Helmet. Tiny Pith Helmet. Yeah, yeah, they sounded like Herman's Hermit meets the Jesus Lizard. Well, that's a strange combo. Yeah, it's like super like pop stuff, but then like the bassist was this tough guy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, um, but the head the the headliners yeah. were this this band this band that was Fletch themed. Have you seen this movie called Fletch? I have seen Fletch. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. They were called the Underhills Tab. Uh huh. Yeah, they were super cool. They dressed in Lakers uh, jerseys and jeans. Wait, what were they wearing? Lakers jerseys and jeans. Yeah, that's a that's a look. Yeah, that's definitely a choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they they were cool. It was it was like it was almost like um, East Side Story squeeze, like like super pop. Mm-hmm. Really cool. Good song. Okay. Yeah, and I, I think I remember a few of the t- of the titles. I think I, I, I recall a few titles. Like what? Well, what were they? Well, off the top of my head, there was uh, the ballad of John Cocteau's tone. It's all ball bearings nowadays. Uh, yeah, he's got that look. I hate Tommy Lasorda. Excuse you. Uh, next flight to Provo, Spain. You aren't going to sing for us, are you, Sammy? Uh, there's a song called Love Your Body, Larry. Erwin uh, T. Pants Must Die. The Ballad of John Labdenson. Um, this is for the cops. That was a good one. It's like a punk song. Why don't you go? Why don't you guys go down to the gym and pump each other? Uh, there's a song called "I Think I'll Wave My Rights." Um, no, that's Babar. Using the whole fist doc. That was like a funny, like mm-hmm. fast song. Uh, there's a song called "I Commend Him on His Choice." Um, how about I? How about my mom? Can I call her right now? Uh, there's a song called "Paging Dr. Rosen Rosen." Uh, can I borrow your towel? There's a really long epic called Hats Off to Marge's Wife, No More Alcohol or Sedatives in Her Life. Um, what kind of name is Poon? Uh, there was an instrumental, there was all instrumental, but then at the end he, he goes, uh, the singer went, hey! like he was burning his hand on an engine, on an airplane engine. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a song called Elephant Books and um, the showstopper was a really moving song called "The Ballad of Fred the Dorf Dorfman." That's, that is a and long. Into, I gotta just say, that's a long set. Well, most of the songs were short. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, it, it, it was a cool experience, though. You know, you, you don't see a lot of bands like that. I, I, I hope in the future maybe we'll hear about more bands that are movie themed or, or TV show themed, but. We never. Oh my God! Wait, what's that? Oh my God! What? I. Oh. My, what is it, Merlin? Oh my! I'm gonna start crying. I'm gonna start crying. I. Uh, I guess. What they say about the best show being the favorite podcast of the most beautiful woman I've ever laid eyes on is true. What? What? What's happening? Um. I. I. I hoped it would happen one day, and it looks like it has. I just looked out the window, and it's Marcy. She must have been listening to us. God. Amazing. It's insane. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. I'm so glad I'm wearing a nice shirt. Oh, I can't wait. I knew it. I just, see, I knew this was meant to be, and Mm -hmm. I knew I wasn't doing, doing the wrong thing. This. Oh, no. Wait, what? It's not Marcy. It's my wife, Myrtle. Okay. Oh, oh you, no. You sound... There was a, there was a weird glare on the window and I, it, it like, it was like a, a mirage or something. Oh no, Tom Myrtle didn't know anything about Marcy. She thought I was, I was in that hotel lobby arguing with the manager for five days straight. 
Oh, now she's furious. I, I would, oh I would think so. Um, what? She's really mad. Myrtle's literally dressed in a house coat. Her hair's in rollers. And Tom, you're not going to bully this, but she's wielding a rolling a pen. A rolling pen. I had a feeling that was... Oh, no. Well, oh, man. Tom, I'm going to be... Uh, I don't know how old Myrtle is. She could be 35 or 65. Merlin, that it's, you know, you're making messes left and right here. Oh, man. Thought I was on an upswing. But you're not. I'm not really not. Oh, Tom, she's doing that thing where, you know, you kind of like have have like something in one hand and you're you're pounding it into the other hand. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know that move. Oh no, she just did a, there's a button on the rolling pin and it, now it's like flashing all kinds of LEDs and it's got spikes. Oh man! Merlin, be safe. I gotta go. You have a great night. Once again, Joe Flaherty, super cool. Thank you. I thought so too. Be safe, Merlin. Love that you got the Haji D. Roberta's question. I did. Yes. I also like that one too. Um, I think that's I think we just lost Merlin. Whew. Big show tonight. Got Merlin checking in. Got Joe Flaherty. And coming up, jury duty. We got a, a who's who. Get ready for this. In the meantime, we're gonna play a record, a song, not a record, a song. We'll be back. MGMT. I'm being told we're live. Is that true, Andrew? Okay. I see a thumbs up. I see. That must mean we're live. Nobody, you can't give a thumbs up if it's not live. You get in trouble. What? (laughs) (laughs) Now, this is exciting. This is the culmination of everything uh, I've worked toward my whole life is a moment like this. And you, you laugh. You may laugh. There's a show called jury duty <laughs> and it's on not on television television it's on something called freebie which nobody even knows what that is now freebie is a part of something with amazon amazon's a, a one of the uh awful studios that i'm currently walking on you in front of universal trying not to get hit by a car so that they'll pay us money. And I just want to say something to the famous people out there. Come over to the Universal one. I see everything. Oh, Neil Gaiman, Pete Davidson. Go over here. I don't know who I'm seeing over there. Right? It's like a, no offense. There's a lot of losers out there. <laughs> Send a couple winners over for me to walk alongside. <laughs> Right? Would it kill you for would it kill you to have uh, Andy Richter swing by or something? <laughs> Just come by now. I look over. It's me and Randy Sklar. It's this the wattage that's going on. It's like the real the star power. It's like 
and Rick Overton. Stand up Rick. <laughs> I met Rick Overton. It was truly exciting to meet Rick Overton, but I'm not putting Rick Overton down. I'm just saying a little bit of throw a little bit of the wattage over to Universal. Where do the stars hang out? Oh, they're at Disney and Netflix. <laughs> Amazon. Where's Amazon? What do people process? A warehouse with that? <laughs> right? Is that no. So look, anyway, the strike, honor the strike, you know, cross picket lines. How's it go again? It goes, uh, day or night, rain or shine, you do not cross a picket line. Mm-hmm. If I catch anyone cross this picket line, I'm just going to do this and run out the clock and never talk to anybody on the <laughs> show. No, jury duty is one of the funniest, best things I've seen all year, and everybody loves it and can't get enough. It's the runaway hit that people weren't even ready for. Now we're going to go like this when introducing everybody. Of course, our friend Andrew Weinberg, who was a uh, writer and producer on Jury Duty, and you're one of my great friends. How are you, Andrew? I'm well. Thank you, Tom. Okay. That seemed like a normal thing to say. Well, it's a little... <laughs> yeah. Well... Didn't start out well. Put the energy up. <laughs> oh, okay. You worked on Conan. You were like, what yeah. you, people. I remember hearing things on Conan when people, I'm not going to name names, but he would just be like, some of these guests come on and I got to do all the work. <laughs> and then he gets rewarded by the day you go, I'm only doing Conan now. <laughs> like he's trapped by boring celebrities. <laughs> now, of course, we have. Is it Mackie? Uh, yeah, yeah, Mackie. Leaper. Yeah. Leaper, yeah. How are you? I'm good. I'm now, you great. played Noah. Yes, yeah. On jury duty. I did. Thank you for coming and being a part of this. Thanks for having me, yeah. Now we have Nicholas Hatton. Hi. How are you? Good, thanks for having me. It's so me nice on. to see you again. We've met in we have. IRL, yes. as people call it, in real life. Yeah. You are a producer and... Were you, were you? Did you write or produce? What? What was produce? Your, I did produce. not write, but okay. I built Ronald's little Truman's world, and hoped okay. that he would stay in it. Well, get ready for Ronald. <laughs> he might not be here. We'll find out in a second. <laughs> and Rashida, and it's yep. Ola Weola. Rashida, she's Olaiola. Iola, Iola, Olaiola, Olaiola. Yeah, like a, like Hakeem Olajuwon, but Olaiola. Okay. Sure. Yep. Thank you for doing this. You were the bailiff on the show. Yeah, bailiff. The breakaway character. The Fonzie. Some are saying the Fonzie of, <laughs> of jury duty. Some are yeah, saying. Some are saying. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, we have David Brown. How are you? Hi, Tom. So nice to meet you. Likewise. I've heard so many great things about you from mutuals. Ah. Likewise. Well, that's very kind. <laughs> um. And you played Todd on the show. Yes. And then there wouldn't be a show called Jury Duty without our friend Ronald Gladden. How are you, Ronald? I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you doing? I, I'm doing great. It's so exciting to meet you. This is a thrill. I first heard about the show from Andrew Weinberg. was telling me I'm working on this thing. And I was like... Well, it sounds like you're probably going to get murdered by whoever the <laughs> juror is <laughs> because this sounds like you're playing with fire. And then he, Andrew said to me, 
um, we just started filming, and then you told me about the. I don't even know what this. You is. told me about the the Sonic the Hedgehog moment, mm-hmm. and you were just like, "I think we got a show." <laughs> now, for people who don't know, Jury Duty was and still is a program where a civil trial was staged and arranged where everybody is a performer uh mecky and rashida and david were all playing roles in it you were both jurors and rashida was the bailiff and ronald was the one person who was not in on the whole premise and just to give a little context, you were told it you were being a you were a part of a documentary on the legal system. Is that how it was presented to you? Correct. Yeah, I was interviewing to be a part of a documentary. Okay. And I you, bet it was technically a documentary style for project. For legal purposes, a documentary yeah. style. We were never allowed to be, say it was a documentary. Ah, see this is how they do it. Ronald. Mm-hmm. Not unlike the studios Mm -hmm. that are taking all of our money. They're legalese. Yes. And seriously, just pay us money. Why don't you pay us money? (laughs) It's going to all go away. It can all go away. What are you scared about these computers? Right? Some robots going to write jury duty season four? (laughs) Um, No. So you were told it was a documentary style production project. And you wanted to be a part of it just like, hey, is this something you have a general interest in and participating in things like like filming stuff? Or was this just was the subject matter interesting to you? What was what was the appeal for you? So it was a little bit of both. One of the reasons I was chosen was because I had never served on jury duty before um, for obvious reasons that needed to be the case because I didn't know what could and couldn't be done, obviously. Sure. Um, So I had never been on camera, so it was interesting to be a part of a documentary. I had never been on a jury duty before, plus Mm -hmm. they were offering to pay for my time, so it just kind of made sense. Sure. And you were... uh, were You you were not in Los Angeles proper. Were you... You're a San Diego guy? (laughs) Yeah, I live in San Diego, but I'm from Oregon. Okay. Sorry that the Trailblazers did not get the number one pick. I apologize. They got the third pick. Damian Lillard will not be on the Trailblazers a year from now. I'm so sorry to break that to you now. Um, <laughs> um, so you were told, so you signed up for this. You saw an ad for it. How did that, how did it get on your radar? Correct. Yes. I came across an ad on Craigslist. Okay. And you were just like, okay. Because Craigslist is a pretty sketchy place, Ronald. You know, for the reputation that Craigslist had, I have found multiple gems on there. This is obviously okay. the best one, but this is not the first gem I've found on Craigslist. <laughs> okay, uh, <laughs> I just don't want you to end up like uh, like barbarian. <laughs> right? Just, you never know. And just with barbarian, one side thing. I saw it. I really enjoyed it. What's up with the super strength that these weird mole people have super strength somehow? Is the film Barbarian? Yes. Okay. I'm sorry if that spoiled anything for you. You had a year to see it. (laughs) Yeah, why why was she giant? 
a giant mole person. <laughs> Apparently, if you don't get sunlight, <laughs> you grow well past the size of a human and you can rip people in half. <sighs> so, so you were a part of the thing. You, you came, but when you now on the production side of things, you're looking for somebody. What are you looking for in the candidate who will be the person in that juror number six chair for for the program for the sake of the program? What were the things you were looking for? Likeability is probably the first thing. Okay, and genuinely, someone who you, you feel like an audience can side with, because the most important thing to us was that they an audience doesn't hate our hero. We yeah. want them to be rooting for him. So, yes. like an eminent likability was probably the first thing. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard thing to like quantify, but that's why Ronald had all these interviews and and, and with uh, with Alexis San Pietro, who's one of our producers, who was basically responsible for finding Ronald. And they had all this back and forth so she could have a sense of like, no, I think this guy is is the real deal and he's a likable dude. Sure. And can you how how behind the scenes can you can you talk about behind the scenes? <laughs> no. Ones? No. No, we won't be talking about anything. But are you serious? <laughs> no. I just don't you know, because yeah. you and I have you've told me yes. little things here. Yes. Andrew, what have you said? Well that one thing we can't talk oh, about. Yeah. Please that's Nick could go to jail. Okay. In terms of, well, how many possible jurors were there in the scheme of things? We had, ultimately, we had over, is originally it was like 4,000 submissions, essentially. Okay. And that got whittled down through various presses down to 2,500. And I think Alexis and her team ended up interviewing around 200 different people okay. over like hour-long Zooms and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then our shortlist, I think, ended up being about 20 folks. And then from that, you know, Ronald ended up being number one. Okay. Yeah. And what are the feelings, the fears going into everything from a production standpoint when this enormous campaign is about to uh, uh, become engaged and and filmed. Sheer terror. It's it's really, really funny. And Mecky was on the writers on the show as well. Mm -hmm. And you have all these ideas in the writers room about all this stuff that you can do and you Mm -hmm. think it's all very exciting and thrilling. But then once you're there, you realize that if one person makes a mistake, anyone makes a mistake, Mm -hmm. Ronald could, could... feel that something's amiss and then and walk off and for all for our actors for our crew for background artists everyone has to stay like locked in the whole time sure and And the first day was probably the hardest because we had like 50 extras as the Mm -hmm. like jury has 120 um and every one of them um i don't know if you've ever met an extra before (laughs) sure um Background talent, first of all. Yes, extra talented. Okay. I, I thought sure. that's what it meant. You're going to get <laughs> beaten up on the next set here on and be like, oh, you don't like extra, huh? I'm going to hit you extra hard now. <laughs> so, well, I'll so just get there a was, second so was, AD to tell them not to. Sure. Well, let me know how that goes. So, there was all these moving pieces. You got all these actors and you, you're trying to get a read on ronald to see like what's this actually going to be like with with ronald once this the wheels are in motion on this yeah exactly and what were the what were the first signs that that were in good shape that this that ronald is the right candidate for this 
I think actually the very first interviews they did, which was whilst before even Ronald came into the courthouse, we had mm-hmm. to make him feel like he wasn't the only person that was the subject of this documentary. He had to feel like there were other people who are part of this process. Mm-hmm. And so that, that sensation of being singled out was something we wanted to avoid as best as we could. So we would f- stage these interviews with him and other potential documentary mm-hmm. uh, jurors. And even in his first interviews, he was just very um, relaxed himself on camera, very open and engaged. And it felt, and he felt had a, a sort of relaxed energy to him and okay. like a responsive energy. Mm-hmm. And it, it, straight away, actually, he felt like this could end up being something. And then in the waiting room, and you, you know, once he met Mecky and all that stuff happened mm-hmm. and, and Edie, then it was just, it was incredible from the beginning. Sure. And, and for you, Ronald, how did this, your side of this, what was the experience like? entering this you just thought hey i'm doing jury duty i guess this is what the jury the pool is like and and then you look and you see james marsden is there and what what was that initially like for you you just thought you were just a for you to be a part of a documentary were you what was the what was the the amount of filming going on that you were aware of at uh generally so I only ever saw four cameras in total. Um, okay. And then obviously we were given our own like little personal cameras to shoot our own like our own diaries at the end of the day. Okay. Um, so for, if, in terms of a documentary standpoint in the beginning, like I didn't see any cameras in the waiting room. Like when I'm talking to Mecky and when mm-hmm. I'm talking to Edie, I had no idea I was being filmed in there. Okay. So everything seemed relaxed and on point. Mm-hmm. Just because of like the way that it was set up, like I had my interviews with the other people, and then I went and sat in the room, so it just seemed like it was just pretty normal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you were just because you were also new to just jury duty in general. So this is all that kind of tilts to just keep you uh, like you're going into uncharted territory. No matter even if it was real, you still would have been in. This would have been new for you. Absolutely, and I went into this expecting a lot of diversity and potentially weird people just because, mm-hmm. you know, in my head, I was like, anyone and everyone can get someone for jury duty. So I had no idea what to expect. Sure. And did you, can I ask, <clears throat> this is a, a question I've seen online, people asking, I don't even know, like, what you exactly were told. Like, so let's say there were 50 people in that room. How many did you think were part of this documentary and how many did you think were just there because they got summonses? Solid question. So (laughs) Edie was one of them. Um, I was told that she was flown in from New York. Uh, Lonnie was another one. I was told that he was flown in from Chicago. You guys had the decoy juror (laughs) um, who I rode there with for the first two days. I'm blanking on his real name right now. (laughs) Brian Decoy. Brian Decoy. (laughs) Uh, He was a decoy who... We had him said that. Hold on. <laughs> yes. That's, that's we the can't name. just power yeah. past. The decoy's name was Brian Decoy. Brian Decoy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and he was. F- and this is why there's a strike. You got to defend <laughs> yes. writing. Good everybody. luck getting a computer. This is what to we write need that. to defend is writing like yeah. Brian Decoy. <laughs> I don't even know if that was ever written down. This is what we called him. But but we said, he said that he was also flown in and he Mm -hmm. stayed at the hotel with Ronald and kind of stuck with Ronald the first day and stuff. And then the whole point of him was to be part of this documentary and for Ronald to see him get dismissed. Okay. So he didn't think everyone here with the doc was automatically on the jury. Okay. That's uh, so... So this is so the table is set now. Let's back up in terms of the actors on the show. 
Rashida, how did what was your what was the starting experience for you with this? Because you're an actor and a writer, and how were you how were you brought aboard, and what was your approach to figuring out this whole uh, bailiff well, character? I was given a. It started with the um, the audition. I had came back from the mountains. I was in Sequoia. I go to Sequoia like twice a year. And just go out there. Fancy. Came back and it was like they, my my managers were like, "Man, this we think you should do this audition." And I read it and was I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. I was just like, "Okay," so I did one, and I felt like I was like, "Okay, I think I did good." Then another one came in, and the one that they kind of saw the snippet of of the that was the side where I was like, "Yo," because that came out of nowhere. I I thought like either they would want me or they wouldn't. Mm-hmm. So then when they sent the second one, did that one, then like a call came back like maybe two weeks later and they were like, yeah. So and they were just like, this is going to move fast. And it, and then all I know is that one of my managers, Jermaine Johnson, was like, watch Borat. And I was mm-hmm. like, I've seen Borat. What the f- like? <laughs> yeah. What was going? He's like, it's going to all I can tell you. And then he kept saying, trust, trust Nick. <laughs> and okay. It was a lot of back and forth. My first like coming into it our rehearsal mm-hmm. and all you saw are these beautiful written beats where like uh-huh. i come from i'm born and bred chicago i come from the improv acting world so that to me was just like a a, a fun house like okay. you put me in a i'm like okay this is this is cool but it didn't really hit me until and i i can't speak for everybody but i know that first day was like the nerves came because it was like you saw this. I'm short. I'm mm-hmm. five. I'm five foot three. <laughs> yeah. You see this tall guy, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I like, of course, the bailiff. I'm. It was just so many pieces that made it. You know, he believed it. Where it was like Nick's running. Nick and Andrew would run beats with me because I couldn't be with the jurors. Like I, you know, it would sure, look, sure. it would throw him way off. Mm-hmm. So they would come to me in the morning and give me my own beats. Like okay, so she's this, this, and that, this, this, and that. And then I just remember the first day <laughs> when they walked to me with them Manila envelope, these Manila fold. You always saw me with a Manila folder on sure. the thing. Uh huh. And that's when it was like okay, and walking them from that room to the court to the courthouse with and me and judge allen that's my buddy like mm-hmm. we had to become tight because it was like working off of me him and the 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 whole little legal system but it hit me that first day walking with those folders from these two mm-hmm. <laughs> and getting them and going into that courtroom and like he said it was all these extras around hey god bless the extras but even navigating through that because you had people who was literally like this guy his, you know when you're, I, I never do it. I'm sure you guys don't, but you're pretending to be on the phone, like you print. His phone was mm-hmm. literally like, and Ronald's walking <laughs> uh-huh. down the hall, and you sure. got an extra with a newspaper on his lap, and he had his phone. He's not talking to nobody. He was <laughs> yeah. just like, yeah, so bring it in, right? And I was like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, so I had mm-hmm. our director Jake, and my, he's like, hey, she's, can you get? I was like, sir. So to throw him off, I was yeah. like, yo at least like get somebody real on the phone because we can see that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because he couldn't yeah. Ronald couldn't see the cameras, uh-huh. but the way they've had the cameras up, you can see all that. And I didn't want him to see it. Yeah. So yeah. you had people doing stuff like that. And I'm like, this 
shit is real. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that was the first time it all just kind of like, okay, figure out how to navigate through this, but stick with your beats and then just be authentic is mm -hmm. Can I add one thing, which I don't think anyone's ever talked about, specifically with regards to Sheeds, is on top of the performance and being hilarious and real, she also had a tremendous... She represented the rules of the court. Yes. So if Ronald ever wanted to ask an awkward question about mm -hmm. like, hey, can I do this? Am I allowed to do this? Am I not? Sheeds had to know every single thing that we could do in like a production reality and had to answer with authority and had to know all of the rules of the court. She is not a peace officer. She is a very sure. talented writer performer. Yes. But doesn't so she had to have this incredibly detailed administrative side to her role as well, which mm -hmm. like we no one's actually talked about that, but that's something you dealt no, with every single day. Y'all would come with like they would come with a new sheet of paper every uh -huh. time, like, hey, if in case he asked this, and then I'm like, uh one of the writers and our co-star as well, Evan, um, he also that he's a real attorney, he would help me too. He's like, read this. And then Judge Allen, he's like, hey, kiddo, case this. And Ronald did ask a question. One, he asked a lot of questions only, if, but he, he was asking, he loves sports and stuff. You were asking me about, the, it was March Madness around, okay. around that time. And he's like, hey, can do you tell us the scores or this? And I was mm -hmm. like, yeah, I can tell you the scores. I, I got you. Uh -huh. And the next morning, then Ross kind of picked up off of it. He's a gym teacher. He was like, yeah, me too. I really didn't want to ask, but sure. I'm like, I got you. So in the morning, I would have prepared like, yo, man, Syracuse. <laughs> <laughs> that was a game. Uh, she made up a whole fake uh, 64. <laughs> <laughs> bracket. I had my own bracket. Yeah. bracket. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Your own bracket. Now, what Rasheed... What was the closest uh, that you came? I know there was a thing in the final episode. You see, you said a name oh, wrong, Cassandra a real Bag, name. My new rap album. Well, what what was something that was so legally inaccurate that you said in the course of something that Ronald just might not know? What that you could you can't. That's not how it works. So, um. There's probably a couple things because I was just like gassing. <laughs> but one was like the the uniform stuff. I have, as you can see, nails. Mm -hmm. Jeannie, who's such a, she's just like sweet, girly girl, you know, in her own ways. And she would be like, nice nails. Like, I feel like she was doing this shit on purpose sometimes. Uh -huh. Okay. Because it's like, Jeannie, you know I'm not no real officer. Like, <laughs> And they were shorter than this, but still very mm -hmm. like. Yeah, you pushing it. And she's like, nice nails. Like, so do you get them done every week? Or how does that? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I've been here 10 years. They don't <laughs> ask me questions. Yeah, I yeah. answer them. Yeah. Or just like, you know, things that Ronald would ask or other other people would ask. And that, um, like, hey, so where do you go when, you, when we're eating lunch? Do you go? How come you don't eat lunch with us? I... That was when I did ask you guys. I was like, yo. So she... I had went and researched. I'm like, the... Sheriffs have an office and they created me an entire office. That's why the Cassandra, Cassandra's bag moment happened. Because, Ronald, I think you don't even know this. They used to come down and check their, like, uh, the real Cassandra has, uh, she had a son. She has, mm -hmm. you know, we all have families, but she had little children. And she's like, I got to check on my son's doing this today. Can I? They would come into my office and check their messages or ask to use my phone. In that moment of like, you get to be you, because we were, these characters 
in that moment, I forgot to switch back on to Officer Nikki. So mm-hmm, when they mm-hmm. would come in there, especially Cassandra, Inez, uh, Inez, they were thick as thieves. So they would go away. Like they would come over. Lonnie would come in. Hey, man, let me. I need to check this real quick. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, cool. But I would always switch back. That one time, I don't know if I was tired, whatever, but that's what happened. It slipped. So she yeah. left her bag. And I was like, oh, give me Cassandra back. And yeah. it, it, it didn't hit, but it was like I would say little shit all the time, mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, I eat lunch. Sure. Don't, I don't, I don't uh-huh. eat what y'all eat, but mm-hmm. I'm gonna eat it. We do this, we do that. Like I get off at six. <laughs> no, when that when that moment happened on the the behind the scenes side, what was that like? Yeah, scary. Because I remember hearing that as it happened. But to be fair to Sheeds, immediately, immediate. So Ronald is basically getting into a van after that point, and what would happen is. Because they weren't all staying at the same sequestered hotel because not all of our actors did it. David and Mecky obviously did, but we would have to pretend that the other actors were also going to a hotel. So we'd load them all into vans. One van would go to the hotel that Ronald was staying at and the other would go basically do around the block and then come back. Okay. And we'd have our little debrief of the day with all the remaining actors. And immediately by the time we had the debrief, (laughs) she was like, I got it. Don't worry about it. This Mm. And one of our recurring background artists was like, this is Cassandra. Everyone say hello to Cassandra. Mm -hmm. Hello. And it's like, Mm -hmm. we're done. Okay. I don't remember how far into it that was. We were almost it was quite done. in. Yeah, yeah well, it was pretty far in. The thing and is, that's why it scared yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, as you went on, what I realized, I think, in hindsight, is that as it went on, I think Ronald, like, once you, my guess is, like, you had some, like, uh, radar up for weirdness, and then at some point you convinced yourself, like, okay, this is real. And then once you cross that line, like, you can't really go back and be like, and like 15 days into it, start quite wondering if it's all fake. So I realized like at some point, like no matter what anyone said, you'd probably be like, like if, uh, yeah, just someone exploded in the courtroom, you'd be like, that probably happens from time to time. Yeah, no, I think, I think you're right in that too, because it's like at a certain point, do I really question myself and my own sanity? You know, because ultimately that's what I would have been doing on day 15. If I'm just like, no, this is all fake. Like then I'm questioning like my own senses, you know, like is what I'm seeing actually real? Am I insane? You know, mm-hmm. when, uh, what would be a moment where you were just like, or was there a moment where you were just like, weird is weird. But this is getting like weird, weird. I wouldn't say that there was a specific moment. Um, the one that they use in the trailer where I'm like, I feel like I'm on reality TV. Mm-hmm. That was a culmination of everything. Like that was like, that was literally like day 15 or 16 when I said that. And it was just because they did something every day because they had to get footage every day. Mm-hmm. So there's always a little something every day and just that buildup of that. Like I just couldn't. And again, it was that, that battle I was having with myself. Like, am I going crazy? Like, is this all fake? But it's like, I'm so but far into this. won that battle and <laughs> you're totally fine. But yeah, so I mean, it was a culmination of everything to where it was just like, I was, I was so frustrated because I was like, this can't really be happening, but it can't be fake either, you know? Because what would that mean for it to be like, that, that's like, now you're entering, um, you're entering into like, uh, like a Truman show territory that everything, and look, well, between us, there must be a part of you, you want to murder everyone, <laughs> right? You could just this much, just this much of you. You still want to just bang their heads against the wall. 
No comment. No comment. <laughs> sure. So, um, now from the from the um, Mackie, you have an interesting perspective on things because you were on camera and also writing for the show. You were you were performing but not writing, David. Okay. <laughs> sure. So, what was that like to be wearing two hats on this? Uh, it was cool. It was it was it was nice because it was like uh, I was around for some of the earliest conversations and stuff that we thought about for like three months and then cut in the later stages of writing. Um, but then every now and again, something would come up and it would be like, why don't we just try that thing that we talked about ages mm-hmm. ago or whatever? Um, so that was nice. Um, and it was just it, I mean, it was just bizarre seeing Ronald for the first time because it was like months and months. We, we wrote it in like what, like August of 2021 or something? Yeah. So it was like a lot of months of like, yeah, then the guy will believe that David's has, you know, pants that are a chair. Like he'll believe that part. And then Mm -hmm. we'll much worse than that. Yeah. I mean, like he'll believe, yeah, whatever. Soaking Mm -hmm. and that this is a, you know, this t-shirt factory's real. Like where that Barbara, um, an edible. And then we were going to have her like, they were like in a van. Uh, I don't know who it was, but then like Barbara would like walk away, like wander off all stone to get lost, and then they'd be like, "Where'd she go?" And then we would swap her out for like an expert parkour artist wearing the same clothes, uh-huh. and Ronald uh, <laughs> would see this old woman scaling buildings, <laughs> and we're like, "Yeah, uh-huh. that'll." be realistic that's, sure. yeah that's like how uh weird this was to write was that for like two weeks we were like no no like the parkour is not it's not that bad like that's fine yeah uh so yeah, yeah it was weird whenever he was a real guy finally. so just to make sure we get everything out of that concept <laughs> she eats an edible and is literally it's like barbarian now now yeah. she's suddenly yeah. superhuman super powers yeah yeah and then i guess she would, they would find her later and she would, uh-huh. uh, Sue Berger, sure. the actress would be like, yeah, I guess I scaled buildings. And what so were she you... also caught an, an, an animal and ate it alive. Yeah, yeah, also, yeah. That was yeah. the end of the bit. And what were you hoping in the, in your most optimistic <laughs> state that Ronald would come away with? We, we were that. hoping like he'll say something really likable right after yeah, that. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so finding the line for reality yes. was, it seems like it was a constant, uh, constant adjustments. Yes. For that. And I think what we realized is that the joke itself didn't have to be that outrageous mm-hmm. to be funny. Like the funniest things at least to me were like um, Ken Ken's Ute debt, where like that's just that you lost his game, or like mm-hmm. never meeting um, Tim and that whole the Tim Memoriam as we called mm-hmm. it. Um, like those were the funniest uh-huh. things to me. Not it didn't have to be like mm-hmm. aliens have invaded. But, but there sure. were also so many things that like I was like aware of the whole time that I was like, okay, are we going to do this? Or are we going to cut this bit? And it would be d- kind of down to the minute that we would decide not to do something. Like, okay. I, I don't know if it's been talked about, but like the chair pants thing, whenever the judge sort of admonishes David for having crutches attached to his pants, uh, there were, I think there were two guys that were going to come unbolt his chair from the jury box. Well, he was go- Okay. So <clears throat> he was supposed to. And this is Todd was, had these insane 
chair, chair pants, pants, which was that... uh, Carrie O'Neill's baby. She loved chair pants. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and, and what were the chair pants? Can you just what were they actually? They were. Oh, they were like uh, they were crutches um, with like the top part um, attached to um, some sort of uh, pad. I don't know if they were a pad for the. I thought they were like knee pads. Bottom, but yeah, perhaps a mm-hmm. knee pad, maybe yeah. two knee pads, and then sort of like suspenders. Uh, yeah. <laughs> How yeah. did the chair pants feel? Oh, they're great. Uh, my the the van ride to and from the hotel was about an hour and a half each way, and okay. I was my legs were numb probably like thirty seconds into the sure. ride. And yeah, yeah. And did did you enjoy staying at the Sportsman's Lodge for? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Um, there were sort of a strange men working on like servers in other rooms, and yeah. you have no idea though. Uh, up until like four days before we started, you were going to stay at an absolute <laughs> dump that was like a converted nursing home. <laughs> though, yeah, in Beverly Hills, there was previously it was a, a retirement convalescent home, and then some entrepreneurial family had bought the place, and were like, "We can clearly turn this into a functioning hotel slash Airbnb." Mm-hmm. And they're playing hardball the whole time, but we'd gone in there, we'd done multiple tech scouts, we're like, "We can do this. We can make it comfortable." Even though, like, you'd walk into a room and there'd just be like a man sprawled on the bed who was like, "I'm sorry, I'm leaving." And like, "Okay, it's fine. Don't worry about it." <laughs> And then we were meant to, we were going to go there, and sure. then I get a call from uh, our line producer Matt McIntyre. He's like, "Yeah, so the the city of LA has a red flag on this." I was like, "What does that mean?" And it's like, "Well, apparently it's gone to the district DA's office, and uh, it is actually an ongoing criminal investigation, <laughs> yeah. and sure. they can't tell us anymore. But you cannot do anything there." Okay. And that was about a week before we started shooting. So this is like some hotel Cecil. Yes, type yes, business. yes. That would be we the also, high end of their production. But we did actually that. The Hotel Cecil was on our short list. It <laughs> sure. really was. Yeah, it was. You, I remember you were yeah. like kind of psyched, or maybe I'm making that up. Sure. No, I thought it was like interesting. No, I like drove by it one night or something. <laughs> but yeah, it was yeah, a period yeah. where you were like, okay, it looks like I'll be staying at the Hotel Cecil for, for three weeks. For three weeks, yeah. yes. Well, that'd be a different show. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, wait, but the chance thing, <clears throat> the original thing was that. Uh, you enter the uh, jury box and you tell Ronald, like, oh, uh, I have these chants and I uh, I can't really sit on them because of the the jury box seat that's there. So when the judge comes in, can you explain the situation to him and ask them to remove my chair? That mm-hmm. was going to be put on you to do that, Ronald. You wouldn't have done that. I think you even told us later you would not have done that. Yeah, I would have just told him to take the chance off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then So then he... Failing that, he was going to tell the judge, and judge would be like, uh, "Okay, we'll have your chair removed." So, like a guy, an actor playing a maintenance worker, come in with like a mm-hmm. pneumatic drill. Uh, <laughs> it was going to be like thing, the like the Formula know, One, like a drill. Timer starts, uh, yeah. and remove his chair mm-hmm. so he could sit. And then you were going to sit there all day, and like leaning and teetering tottering and people are gonna be like todd those aren't working like just take them off you be like no no they're fine and then like really struggling and at the end of the day you'd be like yeah those didn't work you guys were right I, that was foolish but then the next day come back with a different design mm-hmm. and be like these ones are going to work and then do the whole thing again uh-huh. the next okay. day uh-huh. As if, as if todd's <laughs> going back to his little workshop yes. at night like one of santa's elves yes working on the chance uh when ronald first of all did you did you enjoy staying at the sportsman's lodge i've had better but i've also had worse <laughs> yes i've 
stayed there a bunch of times. Did you know that's where Adam Levine does his big Halloween party? Did you know that he rents the whole place out? No, I'm uh, fairly new to LA in general. Okay. Did you you knew that right? Of course. Yeah. Have you gone to one of those? Oh yeah. Because you're tight with Adam Levine. Yeah. Well, we were. You know you that were, thing. You had a falling out. Yeah. Yeah. Waiting for my apology. Yeah. You like the the deer head painted white on the wall? There's always like these like elk antlers and things all over that place. I don't remember the wall art. Have they removed that? No, that was in there. How do you not? You were trapped there for three. Weeks. How do you not <laughs> remember? That? It was really only in the lobby. It was in the lobby. Yeah. So, from your perspective, Ronald, the chance, the first time you see that climbing into the van, what, what, how, what are you making of this? And what are you also making of Todd? Because there was an, it's an interesting dynamic. The two of you together, it kind of seems like Todd, because you're in adjoining, you have an adjoining room. Like Todd is meant to be the one you have a lot of off out of courtroom interactions with. Would that be was did you have the most interactions outside of the courtroom with Todd? Yes, I don't know. It was yeah. probably not. It was probably honestly Edie. I want to say okay. Um, either that or it was a three way tie between David, Mecky, and Edie, mm-hmm. just because we spent so much time in that game room together. Sure. Yeah. So, but it feels like the, it was like it's meant. To give, like, the character of Todd is maybe meant to get things out of you, to react to. Yes, I think that's an accurate statement. (laughs) Like, maybe more than other characters. And what was that like? Let's just go back to the beginning with you, David. For you approaching this whole thing, what was your experience like getting, you know, finding out about this, getting the gig, and then... um, building Todd into a three-dimensional person. Right, yeah, yeah. Or maybe more dimensional. Uh, no, I think it was like... Uh, <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, the, um, the like, auditions, usually it's like you get, uh, like, you know, COVID times, you, like, get, a, like, a script and you do it at home and it's, like, a bunch of lines on a page. You, like, record yourself in front of a blank wall, send it off. And then this one, uh, the audition came through and was, uh, like, here's a few prompts. Like, we want you to just, like, pick two of them and improvise on them for, like, a minute. Um, I love like improv stuff also like Chicago, like improv, um, Mm -hmm. background and like, uh, yeah, so that was already like, uh, a lot of fun relative to like how it usually is. Um, and then the callbacks were like, uh, like, uh, uh, like a fake focus group thing, Mm -hmm. um, where sort of like you have like a different improvised prompt and you, but you're also interacting with like some real people, some actors, you don't know who's who, um, which is also a blast and like, um, felt like that was the first thing, like it described like what the show was like in the audition a little bit. And I, you know, was sort of thinking like, there's, how would this work? And then like, I did feel like my mind sort of started to open from like the callback of being like, Oh, this could be like a real thing. Um, and then yeah, getting the part, I didn't really know cause there were all the different things were like pretty different from each other, all the different like prompts. Um, and then I like found out, I feel like two days before that they're like, uh, um, so the, this character is uh uh yeah just like uh, obsessed with cybernetics uh 
So then I like uh, I just like did a bunch of like uh, like like reading about sure. that and I sort of like that anything crammed, you have yeah. any interest in in real life. No, I'd say no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so you just it's a crash course right, for you. Yeah, to be yeah. able to like wa- talk the talk. Now. Right, right. Yeah, I was uh, an indoor kid growing up for mm-hmm. sure, but I you know didn't uh, <laughs> sure d- didn't aspire to like you know incorporate uh, stuff into me so much. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. It was. Supposed to be about like your disdain for uh for God's design, right? It was not good <laughs> sure. enough, yeah. as if you're, yeah, he so. left us incomplete, yeah, yes. 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 So yeah. Got a, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, <laughs> some Frankenstein, right. well, and again, it's Dr. Frankenstein, <laughs> yeah, well, who's Dr. the real Frank? monster? Oh, yeah, he really was. <laughs> you know, the real monsters actually is this, uh, these studios, <laughs> right? <laughs> not allowing us to get back to work and uh. Come on, just pay the money, <laughs> cheapskates. You know you got to pay it. They're just going to make us suffer is what they're going to do, these bums. Are they aware they they even of the relationship between money and funny? Like that if you have less of one. I just want to show one thing here. This is my strike sign. You'll notice nothing, no jokes. This is not a laughing matter, everybody. I wonder, I'm not here to... My my strike sign is not my uh, movable packet to, <laughs> hey, that's a funny, we need to talk after the strike's over. You want to write on my show? If you could do jokes like that, then we're good. Yelling out the window. I'd be yeah. like, you there. Money. <laughs> the other, when I was walking in the picket line, this car goes past and this woman, young woman's in the car. She goes, what are you guys striking for? And I said, money. She goes, meh. And then keeps driving. So, um, so, so you're shaping this character. Mm-hmm. Where was the line for that? Because there's a version of Todd which would just you want to go right to the line. I'm assuming without right. crossing it because you're it's a it's a tightrope act. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I feel like we talked a lot about like, um, uh, the, like Jake, the director, would talk a lot about it in terms of like, uh, like a reality bank where you're sort of like. Um, investing like moments of like realism and kind of like boring stuff to allow um, for like bigger moments to like be dropped in and not like stir the pot uh, so much. Um, but I think, I don't know, I, I felt like um, it, uh, I was thinking about it more just sort of like if there's sort of like a, like a depth and kind of like a, like a randomness to like what we were like talking about. Mm-hmm. Like if there was more of that and it felt more like real that like um, you kind of like, um, get away with a lot more just sort of like building in that direction. Um, so just trying to be like as specific as possible, I guess, like mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Um, yeah. yeah. What would have been one of the closest, uh, uh-oh moments uh-huh. for you? <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, everything like, yeah, with like the chair pants and the stuff in the mm-hmm. factory and the like, uh, makeover, like every, everything that, uh, like, uh, happened, definitely I was always like, afraid that i was like oh okay. yeah like i i took too big of a step and that mm-hmm. will be the thing or whatever you know what sure. I mean? you don't know what like the jenga piece will be or whatever yeah but yes. uh, every yeah. moment yeah. from being uh in the control room uh not in the hot zone every moment seemed like terrifying to me yeah mm-hmm. uh even the first time after the reveal when there was like a food truck outside and people were there and like i was in uh, Ronald's direct eye line. I was like, "Oh my god, Ronald mm-hmm. can see me!" Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. it was we like, yeah. Mm-hmm. You can edit that out. So, 
you were the only one who didn't have a knot in their stomach all day long. Everybody else was, they were in hell. <laughs> you were the only one just breezing through this thing. <laughs> I was going to say, honestly, for me, it felt pretty good, you know? I, like, yeah. worst, worst case scenario for uh-huh. me, I was like, wow, these people are pretty weird. Yeah. That was about as yeah. bad as it got for me. No, what were your first impressions of of Todd and of Noah when you're meeting these these characters you're sharing this case with? Well, first of all, I got to give kudos to Mecky and David, like sold their characters like none other. Um, first impression of Mecky was exactly like what he was paying out to be. I thought he was this young, inexperienced guy who had just moved to L.A. and was didn't really know what was going on pretty much in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my first impression of Todd was exactly like what he was portraying to be. He was odd. He was just kind of like he just had all these different things that were quirky. Something else that didn't make the final cut, and I'd love to hear why it didn't make it, was that Todd was also not fresh out of prison, but he had served in prison pretty recently and just, had his, and just had his rights restored. Yeah, yeah. that came up in Vaudeer, uh, I think. Uh, Deborah, the plaintiff attorney, asked, like, so I see here you did some time or whatever and you have had your rights restored, and you're like, yes. <laughs> And then uh, they called for a sidebar, mm-hmm. and it, you came up, and uh, Evan and Trish, the lawyers, and now and had this not so hushed conversation about what his crime was, okay. which he refused to say out loud. Yeah, didn't write it down and, on yeah, a piece and of paper. Like, Can I write the paper down? And, yeah. I, mm-hmm. and the judge gave it to me. And I open it because none of them can see. I open it and I pretend I'm like I'm like oh my god. <laughs> and you just see uh-huh. every, mm-hmm. that I want to know too. Ronald, know. what did you did you were you listening to that? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what do you remember? Did you uh, make anything out from what they were whispering? Um, just the the general understanding was that he had served prison time. Um, you know, he was he was willing to he was willing to participate in this as a way to reconcile for his past, whatever he had done. So like the whole point of him, like being here and wanting to serve was that he wanted to get back to his community. Okay. He wanted to make amends, if you will. We, we cut the whole thing because honestly, yeah. we didn't know how to land the plane on that particular yeah, storyline. Sure. Uh-huh. Like David already had so much to work with the, with the whole like transhumanism thing. That then we were mm-hmm. like, uh, I don't know how yeah. we then tie this up with his like felony. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a relatively easy thing to then lift out of the edit. But it, like, his yeah. his criminal past was quickly overtaken by hair gel and a members only jacket. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Vanessa was supposed to be the one who was really interested in uh finding out what your secret was and was going to get uh ronald interested in that but uh you're you guys loved each other so much you and cast that like we didn't want to make her like an antagonist for you like that just didn't work so we dropped Mm -hmm. all of that and also yeah it was like well what is your crime actually going to (laughs) be it it was really fun to like we like worked on a lot of ideas uh cassandra and i and uh yeah it was, it was really fun to like uh, do that with her and like and in rehearsals it was you know like so fun and then like as soon as it started to have this sort of like looking at each other kind of like suspiciously from across the <laughs> court oh, it was fun yeah Real quick, I'm gonna Andrew. Can we just? I didn't. We didn't do the um, 
the Patreon thing. I just have to do it at some point in the show. If we could just, how long is it? Is it? If we could just play it real quick, because this is just giving information on the show, um, which we usually do at the head, but we were have, lucky enough to have Joe Flaherty on today, so we didn't get to do it. But if you could play it, that'd be great. Hey, everybody, it's Jason Gore, a.k.a. Dudio, just taking a second to tell you about all of the goodness that is The Best Show Patreon. Patreon.com slash The Best Show. It's where you get your ad-free best show. It's where you get episodes of So Far, Rubenesque, The Four Horsemen, weekly episodes of Make Mike Marvel. That's the show where our own AP Mike and Brett Davis dive into every single Marvel movie and review it. You get Ask Tom. You get ad-free episodes of Meet My Friends, The Friends, and I've heard a rumor that it's coming back very, very soon. A brand new episode of SNW Q&A dropped just this past weekend, and a new episode of Ahoy drops this weekend. If you love all of the extra best show, we've got it for you on the Best Show Patreon. Patreon.com slash the best show. I feel like I'm actually on a TV show here. We're back. Look at that. So, uh, what was the moment for for the uh, performers where you realized this guy Ronald is a this is a total sweetheart of a guy, and you were surprised by the by the the range of his uh, generosity and kindness and everything that we all like about him. What were those first moments where you're just like, oh, this is maybe different than I thought it was going to be? Because I just, I'm assuming certain things with a different person in that chair would just be like, I gotta like, get away from me. I'm sick of you. Like, just like <laughs> yelling and losing his cool and stuff. But, but you're a one in a million kind of guy, Ronald. <laughs> Thank you. So, like, uh, Rashida, what would be the moment where you realized who Ronald was? I actually have three that people, because people now. Three. I I mean, I got probably more than that, but there's three standout moments that, you know, I tell people who've been asking me, like, is he for real? Is he really like that? Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, he is. Um, The first one is, even though I had to be like this authentic, authentarian person and mm-hmm. you know I probably could I was having the you know I had to stand tall in my position but at the same time still care for them and be good to them it was like he still would ask every day he'd be like Biz Nikki how you doing oh how because I was I had this whole story like I gotta leave I gotta take y'all to the hotel and then I gotta go down to Compton and Inglewood to go to home because I was like I live in Inglewood I, okay. I had this story and he still would ask every day. He'd be like, "How are you doing?" Or like, "Are you? Do you get to go home after this?" Mm-hmm. And I, there's something so special about anyone who who asks how, like, really mean yeah. how you doing. Yeah. Especially in LA, because like, mm-hmm. most people are looking for what you can do for them. Right? Yes, exactly. So that that stood out to me. And then he didn't say, the, "Will you read my script?" Right. <laughs> hey, can, for I got. I'm working on this show. Would, <laughs> yeah, always, it always yeah. was genuine. Sure. And then second thing, so um, they would be, they would say check in with them to make it, you know, because the other half of them weren't really staying in hotels. Yeah. So I would be like, you know, there's a, 
list if y'all need me to refill something at y'all hotels or what y'all need let me know mm-hmm. mind you you can get whatever like the list would I, he would always be like it would be like one, a minimum thing like it'd be or he'd be like no see what everybody else want very just thoughtful of everyone else and i paid attention to that like mm-hmm. i was like this dude it would it made my job even harder because i'm like damn i gotta snap off but yeah he's, yeah yeah then the third thing and I was talking to one of your producers about this because they asked about the Margaritaville scene. Okay. That was so hard to do because I'm sitting at the bar, but you can, it was like the first day <laughs> before I like let him have it. Yeah. The first day that you got to see him in this element of like out and to see how he was with them. Like, hey, come on, man. And then he was like, babe, Nikki, you gonna, you gonna, like, he's like, you gonna have something? You gonna, uh-huh, do you get uh-huh. to do, I know you're here with us, but, yeah. but then when before, when I brought the bill and how, like, he really was concerned, uh, somebody else could have been like, I mean, they could have went off too on them. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's fit, like, why are we do? Yeah. He was like, how are we gonna figure this out wow, together? Okay. Yeah. So it was like those three things always stand sure. out to me. Not just like not my problem. Yeah. You know, Thoughtfulness, yeah. consideration, yeah. and just like caring. Like yeah. He, yeah. And that arm wrestling. What was that like? <laughs> Give us some insight into the arm wrestling. You and James Marsden. I I knew he threw it, man. I knew I knew he threw it. I just something about it, but uh-huh. like I had been drinking, and I was like, maybe I am stronger. Uh-huh. 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 David, what is there a moment with you and and Ronald? Yeah, well, I, I think like you know, I, people talk about it a lot with the like uh, Bugs Life thing, um, but I think that was like that was like one like. Uh, mile marker in this like other journey that was like going on a lot of the time like the van ride like to and from the hotel was really long I think it was the second time that we were like riding in the van back to the hotel um, I think everyone else in the van was like like napping except for us and uh, <laughs> uh, we just like uh, we talked a lot like I think you sort of like initiated the conversation about like um, like asked me about like my past like what my goals were and like things that I like um like aspired to i was asking you about like uh stuff that you're doing with like uh, solar panel installation and stuff like that and i think uh i could just feel from that like um you're uh kind of like you were so like um genuinely like curious and such a great listener and so like um yeah i don't know um uh i just felt like you were you were working so hard to like meet me where i was at then and uh yeah I, i think I felt like uh, from that moment on, like I was like, uh, like I just knew that you were like rock solid and uh, yeah, like really cared about other people in a genuine way. Mm-hmm. I, I do remember that conversation because we were talking about uh, Oregon State because uh, yeah. we were talking about you becoming an engineer. Yeah, and I was yeah, yeah. was a good engineering school. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mackie, is there a moment where you, when you realized who Ronald is? Mackie was actually never really a fan. <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't say the family guy scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A weird <laughs> issue with each other. Yeah, no, I um uh I, I I spent a lot of time with with Ronald like asking him questions about stuff because mm-hmm. there's a bit of my character that's like cut out of the final thing where I'm like really religious and and you know, I haven't seen a lot of pop culture stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh so like 
I, you know, it's like, I'm like the oldest of my like siblings or whatever, but it was that situation where it's like, oh man, you've never seen Batman. You've never seen Inception. You've never seen. So it's like, I watched like 15 hours of Christopher Nolan movies that, that I had to be like, whoa, this is crazy. Like he's a bad detective or whatever. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you showed me like walk hard. You know, we watched like Dewey Cox together for like the first time. Uh, it was like the first time and I was just acting it out. It's like all like off camera stuff but when we were back at the hotel it's like after the soaking thing it was like Ronald had like a, a Rick and Morty vape and he was like do you want to hit this and I was like I don't know I've never smoked weed before and like he was like so sweet the first time I smoked weed in my life like so there was just a lot of that where I was like oh cool it's like a older brother vibe for no reason you know you could have mm-hmm. been kind of more checked out I think yeah and for, for Andrew and Nicholas what was watching stuff where you were just like this guy is truly special he just was uh constitutionally incapable of gossiping or talking trash about people um like so many things uh james having obviously brought in the paparazzi himself Mm -hmm. there's so many times when like we made james act like an a-hole and you'd be mad at him when you could have told anyone and you, you never did uh, also something we found out afterwards was the whole storyline with him of his girlfriend being on a trip with someone named Cody. Was it a guy or a girl? Mm-hmm. We find out afterwards, Ronald, tell him. So I have a, a really good friend that I grew up with back in high school. We lived together in college. Um, he actually moved down to San Diego shortly after I did. I convinced him to. His name is Cody. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know that. Uh-huh. Oh, uh... Now, Ronald, you're now in Los Angeles. What's the goal now? What's the game? What are we looking for? Ronald Gladden's prank patrol? Are we looking (laughs) for it happened to me? Now I'm going to make it happen to you. What would you like to what would you like to do with this level of awareness and, and fame and notoriety? It's a solid question, and that is one that Thank I am you. still currently. Yeah, you got okay. some good questions. I'll give you that. <laughs> Thank you. That is a, that is one I'm currently still figuring out. Mm-hmm. I I I started this off by saying I'm taking this day by day, but honestly, so many things are happening so quickly that I'm essentially taking this twelve hours by twelve hours. Sure. And what has been the reaction for people in your life or people you, that see you out and about? What has that been like? It's it's weird, you know. I've never engaged with. It's weird for me to even say that I have fans, but I've never engaged with fans before. You have fans. Yeah. Now. So it's 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 very weird. I feel awkward in public. I feel like Ricky Bobby, like I don't know what to do with my hands, you know? Sure. Like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> like what kind of what kind of response have you gotten from people? Like what what has that been like to just like what are what do people say to you when they meet you? Honestly, it's it's been so overwhelmingly positive. Um, and it's always something different. Like some people will just thank me for being kind. Some people will tell me about how, you know, watching me be kind to other people has inspired them to be a better person. So it's like mm-hmm. it's it's a range of what they're saying, but it's all the same underlying messages that they're it's positive and it's hopeful and it's just humanity is shining through. Mm-hmm. And others want you to impregnate them. <laughs> I didn't know. No that. comment. No comment. Yes. No, it really, um, it look, first of all, the show is just such an impressive accomplishment. Everybody, 
it's one of the, it's like a magic trick. You can't believe that it came together at all, let alone the way it came to get to the degree it came together. I, and I want to say as far as all that goes, as far as it being like a technical achievement, that is all Nick Patton. Yeah, no, uh, takes a village to create an entirely sure. fake village. So it was everyone, <laughs> everyone, like everyone uh-huh. had to buy in, and it was a uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Amazing. What would you have done if the wheels truly came off the thing, and he's just like, "That's a camera." <laughs> there are a couple like of- spotting a camera, like wait that. That's a like first things that you always lean into like it's a documentary they put stuff up we aren't even aware where they put it up sure but in a phone in like a corner that's not a in a full blown meltdown Mm -hmm. there are a couple of options one is uh, uh, you uh, apologize and then uh, (laughs) stop crying and then think about how to like maybe do this again Um, another we did have a (laughs) a working plan for a while which was if our hero finds out. But if it doesn't make, if Ronald didn't make it public, he would just see. He would have a handler essentially, who would be the producer of the documentary. Mm-hmm. And uh, you had two: is Alexis and, and, and Jordan, Jordan Cohen. And if he confided to them, uh, "Listen, this is something's wrong. I think you guys are messing with me. Something's going on." There was a plan. Be like, "Okay, yes." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so our original intention was to do the Truman Show, but nice with you. You found out we're a bit. Fucked. Uh, so, would you mind not telling anyone? And actually, maybe we can then reverse engineer it so all our actors are the ones who end up being uh, the ones who are tortured. And he starts having increasingly erratic behavior. And we wow. carry on and we don't tell any of the mm-hmm. actors. And they're like, I don't know why he's doing this, but like, listen, we've got security outside. It should be fine. Yeah, and then we realize that's possibly immoral. And yeah. sure. uh, some of the writers not... were not looped in on that. Four people knew that yeah. plan <laughs> and luckily never you, had to do it. That puts you in some weird. Donnie Brasco type <laughs> situation where you're just betraying everybody. I think I would have been double crossed immediately. Okay, there. You've been on the yeah. wrong end of it. Yeah. How does that make you feel when you hear that? It's, they were ready. Interesting. They were yeah. ready to throw you in the dumpster, <clears throat> just like they threw Ronald in the dumpster. Yeah, right. Yeah. In the v- figurative dumpster. Playing around in the trash together. I think uh, <laughs> it almost feels like an interesting, like sort of like there's a part of me that wants to like live that, you know, like that challenge out. You know, there was <laughs> there was yeah. talk of doing like potentially if there was a scene that ended up like in my hotel room where we're like hanging out, mm-hmm. that we should have like a like a two way mirror, the one way glass or whatever it is. Uh, on this on this adjoining door that was facing my bed, and there was a camera hide with like like a curtain like around a tripod and whatever that was there the entire shoot, and so most of the nights I was wondering if like it had flipped actually, and mm-hmm. the, the joke was on me. No, there wasn't a camera, but there no, was no. a full hide built out. We had prepared in the eventuality that <laughs> in yeah. case we did want to start filming in people's bedrooms. But then relatively late on, before we started shooting, I was like, that does raise a few ethical concerns. Yeah, so maybe like to one not or two. Do. Yeah. But I eventually taped a garbage bag over the door yeah. for no reason. But It's kind of like that camera in that uh, little room down there in Barbarian. <laughs> 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 there it is. <laughs> I was challenged to fit a third barbarian <laughs> reference in, and I did it. Um, now it really, the show is just astounding, and it's so much fun. And I know you've heard it from a lot of people, but you can there's, there should be no end to the amount that you hear it. That you just you made the thing special, and your character shines through the whole way through, even though you're just a 
you in 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 your quest to be just yourself it's it's a very inspiring and moving thing to see uh you be like that in in real life because it was real life as far as you were concerned and it's great to see that that's who you are and you made the show truly special and also there are cameras in this room right <laughs> now, ronald i'm telling you there's a camera right there my worst nightmare yeah <laughs> so you're just gonna kind of take it as it comes that's that's one way to put it but essentially yeah okay. i'm uh we're i'm feeling the opportunities as they come in sure uh well it's going to be very exciting and I wish you nothing but the best with all your stuff and just enjoy. I hope you enjoy all of it because it really is meaningful to see in the world of what reality stuff is and, and this unscripted stuff is for somebody to, to just do what you did over and over is, is very impressive and it's a testament to your character. Well, thank you. But I mean, you got to give credit where credit's due to Nick's point. Like, I mean, it took a village like the the casting on this was amazing. Everyone involved was Mm -hmm. phenomenal. So, yeah. But if you were just like, I want to get me away from this weirdo next door to me. I don't want him anywhere near. Like there's versions of that where that would be very completely believable. And actually, you know, if if you were feel like you were being pushed, then you could some like understandable. But you, you, it seems like you constantly went to look for the bright side and it's just, uh, yeah, just very impressive. So, you know, congratulations on being a good guy (laughs) and any final secrets or anything you want to tell anybody that happened on the show that nobody knows about yet? Anybody, anybody? No, not really. Actually, (laughs) I need to legally protect myself. Yeah. Um, no, um, those are all okay. the secrets. All right. All the secrets <laughs> yeah. are out now. I think we got them all, right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I just want to say again, we are on strike right now. The writers are on strike. The actors and directors will be on strike soon, and this industry will effectively die. <laughs> <laughs> Ronald, you and, picked an excellent time yes. to hop yeah, into show business. I, I do want to point out that- star. Yeah, Ronald's Ronald Gladden. He's the only one working. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> everybody else. Yeah. No, seriously. Thanks everybody for being a part of this. Andrew Weinberg, so uh, Mecky Leeper, Nicholas Hatton, Rashida. Let me just, hold yeah, on. I'm gonna get, go ahead. I'm gonna let you do the rest. Because Elijah Wan, right? Almost. No, but I'm saying like Elijah. Like Elijah Wan, the first three. Elijah Walla. Elijah Walla. Elijah Walla. Boom. Thank you, Rashida, for being Thank on you it. So and much. David Brown, and of course, Ronald Gladden. Thank you so much for being a part of this, and congratulations on everything that came from it. And I think that's the end of the best show. Forever? Yes, this is it, the final episode. <laughs> it is a good one. Thank you, Ronald. You know what, Ronald? I am ending the show. This is the last episode of the show. And we got to know how we could go out on maybe a Maybe Ronald can come to Universal. <laughs> That's the big Walter yeah. Maybe he can be your big star at Universal. I'm I don't know. We you, can join you there. Ronald, if you show up, you start walking that picket line. <laughs> me and Randy Sklar, nobody's going to even know we exist. <laughs> no, seriously. Thanks, everybody, for watching. And thanks to uh, Hollywood Entertainment 
for uh, for helping with Joe Flaherty, and we will be back next week. And do you have something to play, Andrew, As, or something we can do to go out on? Yeah, Wes has got it. Wes has got it. Okay, cool. Thanks, everybody. Bye. 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 The Best Show is produced in partnership with the Forever Dog Podcast Network. The show is hosted by Tom Sharpling and features John Worcester, Michael Lisk, Jason Gore, and Pat Byrne. The show is produced and written by Jason Gore, Pat Byrne, Michael Lisk, Brett Davis, John Worcester, and Tom Sharpling. The Best Show is executive produced by Tom Sharpling, Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Co-executive produced by Jason Gore and Pat Byrne, segment producer Michael Lisk. The show is engineered and mastered by Andrew Gleason and Wesley Neff. Graphic design, video editing, and social media by Brett Davis. Website and technical support by Martine Sellis. And the show is recorded at Forever Dog Studios in Los Angeles. Support The Best Show on Patreon over at patreon.com slash thebestshow. And follow us on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Best Show for Life. That's Best Show number four, Life. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.